Traveling to consciousness, exploring spiritual journeys to find answers in uncertainty. Kevin Crenshaw, thank you so much for being here, also known as the heart guy. I'm very excited for this one. I just was talking to, literally in the last podcast, the fear guy. I'm not sure if you're familiar with Ben, but- Ben and I are good friends, yes. I love it, dude. And I found it so funny because whenever I reached out to you, it was like the heart guy. And I was like, okay, cool. And then I saw it was fear guy, heart guy. And I was like, huh, I wonder if this is a weird way of the universe talking to us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah it's, it's pretty cool he's really so, good at what he does oh dude it was an amazing conversation and i can only imagine ours is going to be nearly as good and so for anyone listening it was completely unintentional the, <laughs> the universe <laughs> is trying to speak to us here uh, I love it, dude so let's start off with this we have all these different body parts we've got arms we've got legs we've got different organs why did you pick the heart why are you the heart guy I don't think I knew what I was doing when I did it, to be honest with you. I wasn't as awake or conscious as I am now. Um, mm-hmm. Inner knowing, I was being guided. Um, I knew I wanted to work on relationships and love. And so I was like, well, the heart makes sense. And my I have a marketer's brain. So I was like branding, marketing towards that. Like, yeah, it just works, right? But I was in fitness before I did all of this work. I was in group fitness instructor, personal trainer. Um, and that's my background in that. And in my mainly group fitness is what I did. Um, and in my group fitness, I had a saying that I was didn't know what I was doing at the time, but I was channeling, just speaking without thinking, right? And uh, I would say, put some heart into it. And that was kind of like a tagline from my classes and my groupies, as I call them made like t-shirts and stuff that say put some heart into it so it became this thing that's awesome. when i left fitness and didn't want to do fitness anymore because i realized there's more to life than the gym and i kind of just outgrew that season of my life i um used that saying and phrase kind of as the spearhead into whatever i was doing next and i actually didn't really know i was like i hope you live life from the heart and like self-love stuff <laughs> and kind of relationships <laughs> And it just naturally evolved. I, I had an audience, so I started a podcast and kind of a conversation back and forth with the audience, led it in multiple different directions that uh, that combined with my own personal life experiences led me to where we're at today with more trauma-informed um, side of things. I look at the spiritual side of things, the physical side of things, emotional and relational, uh, and kind of integrate all of that into a package of what it is now. But, you know... <sighs> Even I'm even discovering this more recently, like with technology being where it's at and AI on the rise and, and all of that, it's more important now than ever to be integrated as a human into your body and into your heart and to live from that space. Um, and so, you know, I just, it just made sense to me and it's Dude. making more sense the more that I lean in. <laughs> <laughs> the more you just kind of go with that flow of it. Yeah. So I am very excited to get to that part of the heart, the mixture of spirituality, the mm-hmm. leaning into that energy. So in your story, kind of want to take a quick back step in your story, mm-hmm. 
whenever you were this fitness trainer, what, at what point did you make that pivot into being quote unquote, the heart guy? Did you, were you still in fitness and then you were like, okay, I'm going to be the heart guy and then completely pivot or was it like a slow transition or was it more of like this overnight thing? For me, it was pretty overnight, but in front facing, right? Like to everybody, it looked like a transition overnight, but I would say for probably about six months, I was still teaching classes on the side. Um, I had moved, I was in Santa Monica at the time in LA. So I was teaching in uh, clubs all over. I used to work for Equinox. And so I was still teaching while I was building what I'm doing now, um, just to make ends meet because I had, yeah, some successful launches, but it wasn't like enough to really sustain me. So, um, I continued to do that to make ends meet, but I didn't really talk about it anymore. I stopped taking clients and I used it as um, a tool to like stay in my leadership and stay in my facilitation role, which is what I really love doing even now still to this day. And so I was just, I, I, how I was approaching fitness changed before it was mm-hmm. like, a, it was passion. And then it was, okay, well now this is how I make money. And so let me double down on this. Let me, you know, work on my craft. And then towards the end, it really became like working more on myself, not the craft. Mm. If that makes sense. Whenever but you got into the heart or whenever you were in, whenever I transitioned as the heart guy out of okay. fitness front from a front facing standpoint. But, um, yeah, I, it, it was pretty abrupt. I was, I had a fitness account and I was like, you know, 75,000 followers or something. It was like, I'm deleting this account. Go follow the other one. Cause I'm not doing this anymore. <laughs> and so, damn. Uh, yeah. And that's what I did. And that process of moving everybody through to the other one, was about a month. And then I deleted the other account. That's crazy. I mean, because I'm sure majority of people, probably myself included, even at this point, you know, 75,000, like that probably took you a good amount of time to cultivate. There was probably a lot of, let's say, I hate to say identity, but maybe there was probably a piece of you that identified with being this fitness guy. I mean, 75,000 people looked at you as being this fitness guy. Mm -hmm. How did you find that? I mean, that transition, right? And I mean, even looking backwards on it, right? Because I'm trying to see how this, this definitely ties into that heart space and feeling your inner guidance and trusting the flow of the universe, if you will. How did you find that level of trust to say, okay, I'm going to delete this, start from scratch and almost, I hate to say reinvent myself, but rebrand myself on a front face, you know? Um, I just courage, I guess I was like, there's no looking back. I'm fucking done with this. This is who I am. This is what I'm doing now. Even though I didn't really fucking know what I was doing. I was (laughs) like, I'm doing something else. And, uh, I just stayed by that decision. And I think, part of it to my personality at the time and still now I'm, I'm pretty much an extremist. So like it would making it this big thing was on brand of like, I didn't want it to be some gradual transition. Um, mm. and I was honestly in this season of my life where I was like, I just want to do what's it. going to make me happy. And fitness wasn't doing it anymore. I was burnt out massively. And, uh, I was like, there's something deeper, there's something deeper. And I knew it was, had something to do with love and relationship coaching because that's all that I was studying. I was re- reading books constantly about masculine feminine energy. And, um, you know, I got my heart broken, ex fiance cheated on me, left me, uh, relationships after that cheated on me. So I was like, what is going on? That, that was my area of research and 
interest, not fitness anymore. And I helped quite a few people in their love life because I knew that I was reading these books. And so it was this closeted thing. And I was like, all right, this is like a skill. I got to bring this out and um, actually accept that it's a part of me. I mean, that's fantastic. And I mean, I can only imagine the bravery it takes to actually put that out there. You know, I, I know majority of people would probably call it dirty laundry, but to be vulnerable enough, vulnerable enough to even just put out there like, Hey, I was cheated on by hell a fiance. And then a couple people afterwards, like, I just want to take a second to just kudos to you for being able to, you know, be on a platform and say that. Thank you. I appreciate it. Yeah. I mean, it, it's part of what's made me mean, you know, so I'm, I'm really grateful for that's beautiful. Yeah. That's beautiful. And I'm assuming along this process, you've dove in into, I always get weird with the word dove, dove, dove Dovin. into, yeah, dove in. Doves? Dive, dive in, <laughs> dive in. <laughs> I don't know why that word always tricks me. Yeah. Um, but through this process, you probably more aligned. That's probably a better way to phrase it. You aligned more with like who you are and what makes you you through uncovering this external almost idea of your partner. Does that make sense? Yeah, definitely. And so how, how has your understanding of maybe divine masculine energy or divine feminine energy helped you to maybe realign yourself with a partner who is able to bring forth something that's even more in your best interest than these relationships that were serving you less than optimally? Well, I, that is the core of what I did is I, I, I dissected what I did before and I do it now with my clients and I was like, okay, I took ownership and I was like, what am I doing or not doing? What's, what's off within me that's creating this experience because these people were cheaters before, you know, mm. like it's not them, but they did it. Well, how can, how am I contributing to that? And I think that that's where a lot of people don't stop and ask themselves that question. You know, they point the finger and blame you hurt me. You cheated on me. Da, da, da. Well, are you, are you, were you showing up? Were you a safe space for them? Did they, or did they need to get it from somebody else? Right. And that's what I realized was I was extremely codependent and uh, didn't really have a backbone placing a lot of my self-worth on how, what women thought of me. And, um, that was a large part of creating that experience. And so I did a lot of work on myself and I'm continuing to do work on myself, but that's the fundamental of what I help people with is working on you so you can become the best partner you can be and, and really be more solid in yourself to show up for something and co-create. Right. So I, as I grew in my consciousness and as I matured, as I became more grounded in my nervous system, all the things, um, I grew, I healed, I then attracted different in my life. And I can literally look back to like my dating history and see when I actually overcame something or I actually grew or matured in a certain way, who I was attracting started to be different, mm. you know? And where I'm at right now is I've got an amazing partner and I'm being met in, okay, let's work on this together versus pointing a finger type of dynamic. But that's what I was doing internally. 
I was pointing the finger at myself, making myself bad for certain things, shaming and judging myself. And I was attracting people who would mirror that back to me. But then I started to become more harmonious in my inner dynamic, talking with my inner part psychologically, or even just how I treat myself. And my partner rose to meet me there. This episode of Traveling to Consciousness is brought to you by the official Traveling to Consciousness app, available on the iOS and Google Play Store. On this app, you're going to get exclusive content from articles to meditations to anything else that Clayton is going to put out. Here's the also where you're going to find the only place to find the ad-free versions of the podcast. You're also going to be able to get the podcast at earlier dates than normal, the free release version of it. So the Traveling to Consciousness podcast app, I highly suggest that you download it because it's the only way that I suggest that you listen to it. And what's even better is that the company is always making updates. So please let me know if you personally have a recommendation and we can get that in there. So remember, download the Traveling to Consciousness app so that you can get early releases, you can get the video format, you can get it ad-free, and so much more. I love that. And let's Maybe if we can, let's dive into that almost pivot point, if you will, where, because this is something that I, unfortunate, my fortunate or unfortunate, I guess it depends how you split this, can't really relate to in the sense of, you know, being cheated on. And mm. this has always kind of been a little bit of a contentious point with my sister and I, where, you know, coming from my maybe a little bit more unhealed masculine place, you know, try to be the voice of, you know, it takes two to tango, if you will, in these mm-hmm. dynamics of it was more in the abuser abusee, but in yours, it's, you know, cheated on. And I'm not that it's the same thing, but I'm sure there's maybe some sort of corollary here with when it comes to responsibility. So how mo- almost do you find the responsibility or pivot the responsibility from being this external outward this person did this and kind of bring it inward as to how am i able to heal myself or find where i'm letting myself down or become a more divine person to bring forth into my next relationship well i think it you just look at the options you got you stick stay at pointing the finger and blaming the other person or the other gender and live in a very contracted fear-based way bring your insecurities into the next relationship or you take on ownership of yours your life and control the one thing you can which is you and you go okay well how am i going to grow from this and you know that's how I, that's looking back i think i really did that as like my way of survival was okay well i need to grow from this to make sense of it because i couldn't so let me work on me and, you know, the pendulum swung pretty heavily to massive self-ownership. One little thing's off, oh, it's me. Okay, cool. What am I going to do? And I'm in the process even now of healing that and recognizing, yes, it takes two to tango and it's not all on my shoulders. Um, and that's been an amazing dance to work out with my partner now of that dynamic getting to play. It's also really cool how you're talking about the pendulum swing because it's Mm -hmm. certainly something I've seen in my own life. I mean, even especially with like relationships, I've always, I don't know how much I've talked about on my podcast, but you know, in high school, I was like the super nice guy. And then when it got to college, I was kind of like the, uh, 
for lack of a better phrase, the fuck boy. And then it kind of slowly was like this, like pendulum coming back into the middle. Do you feel like that drastic pendulum needs to occur for people to find that middle? Or is it more of like a person to person basis? I think it's more person to person, but I've, I, I do feel it's supportive. And I think the, the seasons are different from person to person, but that swing does need to happen for a certain level of maturity, Hmm. you know, um, and wisdom, just experience because you don't know, you can't truly know what the middle is. If you don't know what the ends are. Hmm. It's very well put. And that was something that I feel like I've thought about a lot before is like, you know, can you find that middle without experiencing the endpoints? Because it seems like it's almost like, uh, I guess I take it to the extreme, right? And if you look at it like at a big global scale, we might find our all, all of ourselves in some uh, turmoil if we took all the extremes at one time, if you will. And I mean, look at the 19th century and geopolitics. I mean, not to make it a political conversation, but just that's kind of where I go to. And so I find it fascinating to have this conversation of like, do you need that pendulum to swing to find that middle point? And it was even a conversation I had with someone else of like, you know, do you need to have the, from a man's perspective, at least, do you need to have the perspective of being a a player or, you know, even a playboy to realize that you are looking for, you know, something that's divine and integrated. And this was like a, yeah, go ahead. Yeah. I mean, I was going to say like, yeah, I had my season of that and it was like one woman, (laughs) you know what I mean? Like I was like, Oh, that's that extreme. Got it. Don't want to be there. Mm. And I think some people just last longer before they realize this is an extreme or this isn't where I want to be. So I think the season or the time of which you're at the extremes can vary person to person. You don't need to live there for like a year. There's no set time. It's just what is for your own evolution, what do you need? Right. And I spent a lot of time on the nice guy spectrum, Mm. a lot of time. Yeah. And so, and I've still got weeds of that stuff coming up now. So it's like, I swung the pendulum the other way and came back. And then it's like finding the middle for me has been this process of my, like, again, I think very internally on all this, my relationship with power and being in power. Cause as a, previous nice guy i didn't want to hurt anybody and when i'm in power subconsciously i was equating well i'm going to hurt somebody i don't want to be that guy and you know most of who i work with is women so i get to hear the back end of all the abuse that men are doing and Mm. i'm there helping them heal it in some way and in the beginning that was a lot of my savior archetype and white knight syndrome shit and now i've come really come to like a place of that this is my mission and now I help men in the same way. But I have this avoidance of being anything that would create any trouble, but that's what got me in trouble. Yeah. You know what I mean? And so now it's like, okay, my own relationship with power and speaking up and having confronting conversations doesn't mean I'm going to hurt somebody. And that's just my own path that I have been working on. Well, I mean, and it's honestly a very, it's weird because it feels like a fine line when it comes to power, mm-hmm. right? And being masculine and being the the container, if you will, as so many people say. So, you know, kind of like in this uncovering process, where have you kind of found that, let's say, that embodiment 
of the divine masculine you know is there mm -hmm. even archetypes that we see in movies that are divine because i know there's a whole bunch of white knight archetypes and then there's a whole bunch of you know let's say simp archetypes which mm -hmm. i don't know maybe that's similar to white knight but in be, those yeah. ballparks if you will so how have you been able let's say to even determine what a divine masculine is given our current um political not even political but just societal mm -hmm. the whole societal mess that we have going on in our hands yeah that's a big one and and i thought a lot about that because for a lot of my life when somebody would ask me who's your role model i'd be like me future me <laughs> like I, I didn't really ever glorify certain people um i, I glorified aspects of them but i wasn't ever like i want to be like you mm. thank god i never did because i really got to figure out who i wanted to be um so to some degree it's like it's like a buffet like take what you want and leave what you don't and I get to do that with the men in my life personally, the men that are in the highlight or the limelight, um, and really forge my own definition of what it means to be a divine masculine instead of forging a definite definition for everybody. And I think in that we get to create something that's pure and meaningful for us and integral, which ironically is divine. So it's like what, you know, the, for me, it's, well, what do I think it is? What do I want to be? Mm. Uh, and as I grow mature, that continues to change in my path. But uh, I really don't think that there's one definite answer. I think that's a beautiful answer because I know myself, like it's always, it's a very, it's very similar. You know, I grew up with James Bond and always thought he was so amazing. And then, you know, after having a Playboy phase long enough, you're like, oh wait, you know, it, it probably makes sense to just, kind of play more of a long-term game with one girl. And then it's like, okay, so I don't really like that aspect of them, but like, are there other aspects that you like? And so I find that a beautiful metaphor or analogy of the buffet of like, okay, this, this feels like a divine masculine aspect. Let me try that on. And then you probably at the end of the day, you have your own plate full of divine masculine aspects and you can choose, you know, you taste some, some you keep on your plate, some you let go, some you integrate how do you do you, and this might tie back into your heart do you somehow have a process for metaphorically passing these ideas through your heart and see which ones integrate or resonate like the divine masculine person that you want to show up as that's a really good question i would say never contemplated that before but i, I would say thinking in that way yeah it's kind of like it's kind of like an ice bath. Let's just give a metaphor for a second. You know it's good for you. You know it's going to be helpful. It's going to fucking suck. And remember your first time ever doing it, you're probably like freaking out. It's kind of that relationship with it. Now, let's say uh, stepping on a bear trap. You know you don't, that, that's stupid. Why the fuck would you do that? To show your toughness? Okay, no. There's other ways to do it. That's kind of the relationship with aspects of masculinity that what in a way for me, at least that it feels it's like, okay, that's just stupid. I don't see the point in that. No. And then there's the other one that's like, oh shit, speaking up and having conf confrontational conversations. I know that's going to be beneficial, but fuck, that's going to be hard for me. That's where I need to go. Mm. 
it's a difference in energy of it felt almost like i don't want to say fear but like almost like a resistance or the not knowing as opposed to oh i know that this is going to cut my foot off versus like <laughs> yeah okay well, i'll be able just, to make it out <laughs> right and i think the, it's looking at the end game of going okay well, what am i really after because if, if i'm i'm as an example just looking to be tougher i could potentially do shit that's going to be harmful to prove that i'm tough and i've done it i've overworked myself manically to prove that i could grind and i mm. did it for way too fucking long burnt out my adrenals burn out myself massively right and i was because i was looking to prove myself as strong didn't feel it internally right you get that physical so, go ahead yeah yeah, yeah I've, I've experienced yeah. it myself <laughs> many of us have and, I, and you know I, I in that regard it's like okay well what am i really after i want to feel strong great now how can i integrate that what do i need to do that would prove it to myself i can look at my track record and be like yeah okay you're resilient and what is real strength to me and again it's questioning even the definitions of these things and i think it's a natural process, I, I think, for men. I've studied, having studied the development of men in multiple different authors and books, it's very linear. So I think there's a season of kind of going through these things and maturing your definition of certain words like strength or resiliency or what it means to provide, for example. That really only comes with, again, the trial and error, the pendulum swinging and going, oh, that's not it. Oh, wait, that was good. That got me here, but it won't get me there. Okay, well, how does it need to grow? How does, I, how does it need to mature? Um, yeah, that's at least how I look at it, if that makes sense. It does. And so then how has your definition of strength evolved over time with these books that you've read? And, and maybe even more so, if we're going to add another layer to this question, how has the word power also kind of transformed along with it? I love this. This is exactly what I'm working through in my life right now. Beautiful. <laughs> like perfect this is timing. the evolution I'm in. Yeah, <laughs> it is perfect timing. Yeah. Um, for me, power in the past, I had this push-pull dynamic with. Um, meaning I wanted it, but I feared it. I feared because I feared being pendulum too much and hurting people like almost tyrannical yeah yeah and um so ultimately i recognized that it was a it was a game of trust like i can trust myself mm. when you hold a gun you have a lot of power you have a lot of power when you're wielding a weapon for sure do you trust yourself to do the right thing really what it's all about and i didn't trust myself because i was i was judging the gun instead of looking at the person wielding it i was judging power thinking that power inherently was bad instead of being discerning on who was wielding it because i was recognizing that when i'm in my power i am heart-centered and heart-led and i i am very emotional so i, I know i'm good-hearted i'm not gonna hurt myself or others and it, it, for me, it's been a game of just inching that needle forward again, closer to the middle to, to give my body a sense of like, okay, like you can, you can do this. Um, cause again, I, in the past as a young adult, I pro I've proven, proved, 
Prove Proving. to myself. Prove to yeah, <laughs> myself. Yeah. Words are weird, man. I, I'm right there with you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've proven myself of like, okay, you're resilient as fuck. You're super courageous. Like you can grind and make shit happen. Um, it's just, again, the area that I wasn't looking at was confrontational conversations. And that for me has been the one that I've been growing the past six months. Hmm. I love that, dude. Especially maybe even conversations that you think are going to be conversational, but the other party exactly. might not even. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. That's happened a few times. And you're like, uh-huh. I'm freaking out right now. And then they're like, oh yeah, fine. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Bro, that's fucked me up so many times in relationships. <laughs> you don't, you don't care about this. <laughs> I was like, I was over here shivering. Like, <laughs> yeah, it means yeah, nothing to you. A, a great response that yeah <laughs> like oh it doesn't matter at all okay cool yeah great talk <laughs> oh that's but the, but the release on that you know of like oh i'm really just in my head about it but that experience gives us healing to be able to be more in our power and have more of those conversations oh man dude it, it it's funny and you want to talk about pendulum swinging i I remember when I that first got unlocked with a girl in me where I like brought up one of those conversations and she was like, yeah, I don't give a shit. And to me, it was like, holy <laughs> fuck. Like what? Like you're supposed to care. I care. Yeah. yeah. And then it almost, it almost like I could see the trickle effect of like, uh, almost doing too much, if you will, like out, like seeking out those conversations and then, you know, having that dissidence of like, oh, okay, maybe I shouldn't like overshare this with too many people like maybe there's like a there's a boundary here i need to set or find but even reeling that back because i mean dude it's so powerful we should hit on this how do you do you remember the first time and if you do how do you kind of find your way into encouraging yourself to have a conversation that you believe to be difficult or it it it, like it could even be limiting to your growth like how do you almost even push past or or get yourself, you know, motivated to have that conversation. Um, a few things. Ironically, this is what I help my clients do with forgiveness work and things of that nature. So it's like, all right, you know, practice what you're preaching, dude. This is your stuff. And I dive in and it's using that same level of courage that I had to say, screw fitness, I'm doing something else. I, I have the courage courage. Just be courageous in this area. Just do it. Literally, you're if you're gonna squat a max rep whatever spend time thinking about it or just get out of the fucking bar cool hmm. you just start and do it scared and i don't really for me at least that's been my process with it but the more it's time that i spend thinking about it procrastinating on it what do i say da, 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 da. i'm just getting further in my head it's like all right like kill it while it's small hey this thing's coming up for me and i want to speak to it um that's what i've been growing and and um in my process with it all. But I'll tell you even too on the aspect of power, especially in relationships. Um, my partner reflected to me recently of like, you're not leading. Like I I'm, and I was like, what? what? Oh shit. I, she was like, I don't need a fucking apology. I just need you to lead. But I was like, <laughs> pretty, pretty masculine of her. Cause I was, <laughs> I was going to yeah, but I was going to be like, Oh, I'm sorry. Da, 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 da. I'm going to, you know, all right. I was like, Oh, She's right. I was like, wait a second. She just wants me to show up. I know how to do that. Instant like state change in my body. And ever since then, it hasn't been a problem. But she reflected it so strongly back to me that I was like, oh, 
okay. And I'm just so committed to growth that I'm like, yeah, all right. Like I'll eat my shit. That's my shit. And I'll show up. And I recognized after like a day or two of continuing to show up, like where my fears were in it and why I wasn't before is because I had for the longest time a, and this is probably because of my early relationship history um, with what I shared before was that all I do is fuck it up. That was a belief that I had that was keeping me from fully leading. So I was like, oh, well, I don't want to fuck it up. I don't want to say the wrong thing. I don't want to do the wrong thing. I, I like what we got. So I'll just, yeah, whatever you want to do. And I took a backseat, right? And so that was what I uncovered was like, was that. And then I really dissected like, what does it mean to fuck up? Can I really fuck up? And went deep down that rabbit hole psychologically, did some somatic processing around what created that in the first place. And, um, ever since, you know, she's, she even was saying recently, like, I'm just proud of how you're showing up. And so uh, apparently it's working. <laughs> <laughs> Who knew? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's awesome. Cause you found, it sounds like you found someone who's able to at least be honest about what they're looking for, reflecting that, which I'm sure is huge in growing yourself, growing the relationship. And, leading in and of itself i would love to sit on this topic for a bit because i know this it probably highlights very beautifully that you know the power versus you know internal truth versus you know not hurting somebody and i found it interesting too in your response how it was like your fear of you know becoming the person who hurts the other person almost like kind of whiplashed onto you whenever, you know, it would have been the cheating. And so not to go too far down that rabbit hole, let's bring it back. So what, what is leading in a divine masculine way? How do you lead your partner? And I guess, well, we'll save that second part of that question for later. How do you, how do you lead? Let's say if, if someone's holding the masculine energy in a relationship, how do they lead their partner? It's, you know, Pendulum. There's extremes to this of what people think it is. And so you really need to define what it is for you. And also if you're in a relationship, even lead a conversation of what this means. Cause I know I want to, I don't, I want it to be mutual. I want it to be like her voice is heard. I'm not just directing, but at certain times she just wants me to direct. Right. And mm-hmm. so we have conversations about, that i'm like you just want me to she's like i just want you to delete it like we we're also business partners so if it's like a business call for example she's like oh i just trust you take it away awesome okay cool i'm just gonna do my thing this episode of traveling to consciousness is brought to you by conscious technologies llc talk about an aligned company name this company creating technology that will revolutionize the way that humanity is able to resonate or vibrate with the electromagnetic frequency of your phone, of your Wi-Fi router, of the light bulbs in your house, of really anything. What they do is they have created these amazing minerals, amazing units that you can either place on the back of your phone, you can wear it as a necklace, or they even have like little in-house generators, if you will, that can unify the entire field of an entire house. I've experienced these things in person and I unequivocally can tell you that it does something and it helps you feel more present, more calm, and more connected to the spiritual dimension, if you will. And 
I highly recommend that you also check out episode number 034, where I actually talked to one of the co-founders and it, it blew my mind away. One of my favorite episodes where we actually get into how he creates it, why it's created. And, you know, if this wasn't enough of a sell for you, go check out that episode because I know that it will sell you after that. Conscious Technologies, LLC, harmonizing the planet one person at a time. Right. And so getting that permission, even instead of like, oh, I want you to be heard. And what do you want? And da, 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 all this shit I was doing before. Yeah, that's true. And if she just trusts me to lead, great. Well, then I'm going to trust myself enough to, to do that. You just gave me permission. Right. So it's it's having that conversation of, or of like, I always really check in with her. Right now it's like, I wouldn't say always, majority of the time I check in with her and it's like, well, what do you want here? And sometimes I lead when I should have checked in because she's like, well, no, I don't feel heard and you're not hearing me. And I'm like, okay, yeah, well, then let's come to it. So it really is a dance. Uh, but I would say that one of the most important things is, is creating what that looks like for you and your partner, like have a conversation mm -hmm. about it. And I think also leading is, is bringing things to the light. So if there's an uncomfortable conversation that needs to be had, initiate the conversation. If something is falling off, initiate it, right? Like we have weekly check-ins where we drop in for like 30 minutes and actually it's not even 30 minutes now. It's probably like 10. And we just have certain questions we run through about how's our relationships, anything left unsaid, what's our week look like, what we, how's sex right now? Like we, we kind of just really check in with each other and that's been really um, powerful for our relationship. And sometimes, like most of the time, I'm the one remembering like, hey, let's do our check-in. Hey, let's do our check-in. And she's probably wanting me to initiate, hey, let's do our check-in. Because, oh, yeah, he remembers. Yeah. Right? So I I just take that on and lead that conversation. And even like this last one, I was thinking to myself, oh, we haven't had our thing. And then literally as I'm thinking that in the car, she like says, hey, we haven't had our check-in. <laughs> Interesting. All right, let's do it. <laughs> Well, let the seed is real. <laughs> yeah, for real, for real. So, uh, yeah, it's really just look like initiating the conversation at least and creating a definition and something that's comfortable for you and your partner. I think is the most important part with leadership because the pendulum can swing in the other direction, and it's like, well, I'm just doing me. And then you're just an independent person leading your independent life, dragging somebody else along. That's not partnership. Partnership is is a we dynamic it's not an i me dynamic and so it really is is taking that into consideration too it it's a dance man it doesn't look one way or another because i can also say you know like we're getting a, a place together soon and most of the decorating like our first go around i did it and it's shit <laughs> so i'm like you know so this time i'll be like yeah like you can take the lead i'll just say yes or no on certain things and you lead with that because that's your strength that's really leadership is also allowance, allowing your partner to lead you in certain ways. Yeah. That's super fascinating. Cause even as you're talking there, I'm kind of getting this, like we were talking about with you, like leading in this mm -hmm. pendulum and masculine and doing and power. But then even as you're talking, I'm like getting this visual that there's even a pendulum of your relationship. Right. So it's like you have your own personal pendulum and then the, what's your girlfriend's name, by the way, summer. Summer, shout out Summer. Um, <laughs> there's also the conjoined Kevin and Summer pendulum that's occurring as well. And it seems like that pendulum of moving between masculine and feminine energy exists within the dynamic of your relationship as well. 
It is. Yeah. And that's especially as doing relationship coaching as something that you really have to take on as a certain perspective uh, for couples is recognizing that it's not just you and the other person. There's a third entity, which is your relationship. And if you can, if you can have a pulse on that, that's also very important. It's like, okay, I'm going to own me. I'm going to trust that you're going to own you. And there's this other thing. So if you know, how much attention are we paying to the relationship or to each other? If you're feeling down, do I need to show up for you in a certain way to support you? Because your well-being is also my well-being. Um, and we could take that too far and be codependent. So like at a certain point, you got to get on your own two feet, right? I'm here to support and help and be that space. And, you know, and, and she does an amazing job that with, of that with me because, again, my history was codependency. So I can rely on it if she's really supporting me instead of getting on my own horse. And that's been my process. Dude, that's super fascinating. I mean, and do you have some sort of like visual even? I, I just kind of want to break this down because like, okay. you know, I'm kind of seeing it as like, let's even tie back in the heart to this, right? Because you have your own heart space, your own electromagnetic frequency that's holding your pendulum within it. And then, you know, I guess you could argue in the physical space, you guys come together, but even energetically, even at this moment, there exists a another heart space that is the combined heart space of Kevin and Summer. It's Summer, right? Did I already forget that? Summer. Yeah. Okay, cool. <laughs> I just went on like channel autopilot. I was like, wait, did I get that error? Um, there's like the Kevin and Summer heart as well, if you will. Like, does that feel like an accurate representation or would you like change the wording of that a little bit? Yeah, I think it's, it's really accurate. And so then, I you, like that. yeah, I mean, just like, do you guys feel like you, like, is there a level of energy that you're putting into that? Cause the, the, um, metaphor that I've heard is like, oh, you know, you can't really give love until your cup of love is full. Seems like a cliche kind of thing that people put out there. I love that you laughed at that. <laughs> it's so, yes like, and with that one. Yes. And what's, what's you want to go? Let's go. What's, what's the end? If we love ourselves without a reflection of other people, that's just delusional and narcissistic. Mm. I think it's supportive to have a reflection from other people of how you're showing up so that, you know, if somebody's pouring love and like, again, all of this stuff operates on a spectrum. Think the pendulum again. There's there. I teach fucking self-love and there's days where I don't love myself. Great. Like I remember early on in our relationship, Summer was going through it and she, you know, she had just moved and all this stuff. I'm like, there's going to be days where you don't love yourself. Okay. You're human. Like allow yourself to love yourself enough to be human. It doesn't have to be one way. Right. And so I also have a podcast where I interview couples who've been together for decades and they're still passionately in love. And on that podcast, I always ask how they got together and share about their story and wisdom in it. And there's been couples who like did their inner work and then found each other. There's been couples that met when they were super unconscious and did their inner work together. There's been couples that did it at different times, but they were still in the relationship or one person was self-loving and the other wasn't. And they came together and the other person worked on their stuff. Like there's, there's not one way that it goes down. Mm. You know, it, it really can yeah, it's helpful to like love yourself before you get into the relationship, save you a bunch of heartache, but it's not a prerequisite because maybe that other person, if you know, that's been true for Summer and I, we it's been about a year 
And we are completely fucking different people than a year ago. I love myself way more. She loves herself way more. We were both extremely in our shadow and, and insecurities when we first met. And we've, it's been a bumpy ride, but we've definitely like shaken that shit out. And we're more us. Like I'm more me, she's more her because of our relationship and our love. And that's really beautiful, I think. Oh, it for sure is beautiful. Yeah, yeah without a doubt. So yeah, on the, you need to love yourself before you get into a relationship. Like, yes, and just work on loving yourself. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's interesting because in your answer, it almost seems as though, how do I articulate this? You can love yourself, but it's almost as if there's this deeper love that's going to, or that can, let's say there's a deeper love that can almost bubble up or blossom to the surface once you find another person, right? So how do you, I guess, how do you know, right? It sounds like there's people like you even pointed out that were unconscious that found each other and then even maybe developed to love themselves in the process. And yet, you know, it seems like once you get into this spirituality rabbit hole, it's like, you got to love yourself before you find someone else. But even in my journey, I can see that there might be blockages that you're unaware of as different girls come in or out this flow. So what's like, what's the, what's the paradigm there that you've uncovered? So this is the work that I help people with is self-love inner peace, and then also creating a healthy relationship. And there's only so much self-work you can do before you quite literally for your soul's evolution need somebody right there next to you to trigger all your stuff that you thought you healed. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, I use this analogy actually with a uh, client earlier today. Um, I was like, look, you can learn shadow boxing and you can learn how to kick box, like kick properly, punch properly, good form. You can go intense. It could be a whole workout. You could sweat buckets. Okay. That's a metaphor for self-love working on yourself as an independent single. And then there's going to be a point where you got to get in the ring. And if you haven't been sparring with a partner in a, in a while, you're going to get punched quite, quite literally. <laughs> it's going to, it's going to rock you, man. And you know, it's the saying of like, everybody's got a plan until they get punched in the face. So it, you, the best way to practice being in the ring is to be in the ring. So the only way we know how to, that's the only way we can know. So how do you approach that then without the energy of forcing it? Right? Like say someone I don't know, for any reason, they've been, let's say, forcing celibacy for three, four, five years, whatever it is, whatever they feel like they need to do. And they've gotten to this even just perpetual state of, I need to embody the divine masculine before I can find a girl. I need to embody my divine feminine energy before I can find a man. Or, the and I know the way you're going to fully embody the divine masculine is to have a woman next to you. The only way who, who reflects that. I mean, we're, if we want to talk pin ultimate evolution of the divine masculine yeah in my opinion okay and then so how do you help people then to see that right how do you help people to see that they've caught themselves in almost this self-love i don't know what do i want to say like a merry-go-round this self-love hamster is your your self-love a defense mechanism do you love Mm -hmm. yourself so independently that you can't welcome in another 
And maybe that pendulum needs to be swung in that direction for a season before you realize you're still crying yourself to sleep at night because you want to share your life with somebody. Or you can wait 20 years to figure that out after you waste 20 years of your life. I don't know. Up to you. I, we, we're relational beings. We need each other. And so right. don't be so, so independent that you forget your nature as a human. Which is as a social creature where you need relationships. We need relationships. We need each other. That's how we've survived. It's a very critical part to our species. And it's love is one of our deepest needs as humans. You know, or like the work and all of this stuff can be a mask for, again, walls around your heart, wounds. You're so wounded from stuff that happened before. So, oh, let me love myself. Now I don't feel it. So there's two ways to experience inner peace. You remove your, all of your triggers from your life or you face all of your triggers in your life. Only one of them is lead to lasting peace. The other one, it's like, oh, well, there's the trigger. Okay, it's, I got to get away. You're very fear-based and reactive. The other one's courageous because you're integrating your being. And mm. so... None of this is wrong. And I think, again, going back to what we talked about earlier, maybe it's what your soul needs to experience. And there's a certain pendulum there that you're getting to, to flesh out of independent, codependent, and togetherness in, in a relationship, because that is its own pendulum within spectrum. Um, but yeah, man, I mean, I was, and I'm speaking from experience here, so I'm not bashing anybody that's listening to this i was single and celibate for three years before summer and i met and i toward towards the end of that was really recognizing like ah, what the fuck am i doing <laughs> like i'm just punishing myself to prove to myself that i can do it like again all the i'm gonna grind to prove myself that i'm strong enough i'm gonna stop all this to prove to myself that i'm clean enough whatever the fuck like, <laughs> whatever it serves its time okay great and I, it went further than it needed to because it was what a spiritual dick measuring contest like, no <laughs> like because <laughs> like, i can be celibate longer than the other guy the fuck like <sighs> i mean i'm sh i'm sure there's some level of that right i mean the ego's a, a weird <laughs> thing man it is it'll it grab is. to anything it'll grab to even the idea of you know, like you're saying, being more spiritual than someone else for quote unquote, not needing a girl, right. Or not needing to, you know, I went down the path of detachment for a while. Right. Like, I mean, detach from needing anything. Mm -hmm. And then it got to the point where it was, it was harmful because it was, I was still neglecting my own needs. And so sure I was growing in a certain direction, but I wasn't healing. And you were growing, but you weren't healing. Can you touch on that yeah, a bit more? Of course I was growing with what it felt like to let go and detach from things. But healing is, is in my opinion, coming more into presence with who you really are more in touch in your nervous system to somatically be grounded, which means having your needs met, regulating your nervous system uh, and psychologically accepting who you are in the moment. So you know, I, I was detaching and growing, but I wasn't dropping more into myself. Gotcha. It was all because I was because I was still neglecting my own physical needs. So would it almost be like a disassociation from what your soul desired? 
Yes. So as opposed to leaning into what maybe your soul was calling for, you were just, nope, I don't need anything. Nope, I don't need anything. And it became almost this wounded detachment, if you will. Yes, that's a very good way to put it. Yeah. That's fascinating. This, this again is it maybe other people's journeys are different, but that's what it was for me. Well, for sure. And look at that in hindsight, you know. For sure. And I think that's probably a, a great asterisk to put on any of this conversation. And <laughs> we can only speak from our personal experiences. Yeah. You know, nobody yeah. take this as gospel truth for yourself. And and I mean, any conversation you have or hear on a podcast, discernment's key. You know, discern the very truth, true. discern the information for yourself. Cause I'm sure there's things we could say here that maybe some people are just like, no, that's complete bullshit. And Hey, lean into that. If you had a vitriol reaction to it, it's not for you at this time. So that's definitely a very powerful uh, disclaimer, disclaimer to make at this point. Definitely. Yeah, that's cool, man. So this is, this is also a, maybe an interesting conversation to bring up as um, in regards, because we've been talking a lot about masculine and feminine energy and this is something that I know I've had with people who aren't so spiritually inclined that can be difficult to can be difficult to show them is that these are energies that exist in even gay and lesbian relationships as well. How, I mean, you know, I think it's, it's probably easier for our minds to say, okay, man, masculine, female, feminine. Um, but have you worked with, I know you said majority women. So have you worked with lesbian couples? Have you worked with gay couples and how, what are the similarities and differences that maybe they experience in relationships as opposed to heterosexual couples? It's a really good question. Yeah, I have actually. And, um, I've even interviewed some on my podcast and it's always awesome. They're there. It's the lightness that's there in those couples, man. It's, it's great. What do you mean by the lightness? They just, having like there's a baseline of let's have fun Hmm. that i think in heterosexual couples for the most part that at least my clients and who i'm working with there's this heaviness to it like serious Um, so serious yeah my trauma their trauma this thing like don't forget to have fun and it all too right and um i would think i would say that's one of the bigger things just observationally that that i've noticed um, but I don't really label the masculine feminine energies. I don't really touch on it, talk on it when I'm coaching. I, I just more so get to witness who's carrying what hat at certain, any certain given time. Right. I've had, uh, couples who it's very obvious where one's the masculine polarity and the other's the feminine. I've had other times where it's, they switch very frequently. And at that point you do have to educate them a little bit and be like, okay, well, when this is happening, you need to match the polarity so you can come into harmony and mm. create that, that uh, passion again. Cause if, cause if it's, and I've even had heterosexual, uh, couples, right? Like a, a male and a female, sorry. Um, where they're both in their masculine and they're both extremely powerful people on their own. And just like Rams butting heads over and over again. Right. So, it applies to everybody, whether you're in a straight relationship or you're gay, like doesn't really matter. You just need to recognize, I think going back to the, the fundamental of leading and following, what does that look like for you? And every difference, 
area of your life, it will look different as well. Like I can lead in a certain way and then she can lead me in a certain way. And I really think that the embodied masculine or feminine, the embodied human can switch to both. Mm. Like I, I look back on my life and when I really embodied my divine feminine, my inner feminine, I became way more masculine. Mm. Instead of trying to seek the masculine constantly, because I was neglecting a side of myself and going back to what I said about earlier about healing, I was able to be whole and integrated with all of my parts because the inner feminine is a part of me as well. This episode of Traveling to Consciousness is brought to you by Mushy Love. Mushy Love is a latte type blendable mushroom caffeine free elixir that honestly tastes like a liquid cinnamon roll. And I know that you're going to find that on their website, but it's honestly true. It's stacked with more than twice the amount of mushrooms as any other mushroom latte. And I know that there's one in particular that we all think about, which kind of starts with the word mud, but this one blows that one out of the water. I highly, highly recommend if you even try that one to just give this one a shot. And I promise you that you will not, you will not be sorry because I just, uh, it's so good. It's honestly so good. And I want to get to a place where I can actually just, they send me these all the time for free. So please go and buy it because if you buy more then they'll start sending me more. And it's just honestly a win-win because it tastes amazing. Like even in water. So even if you're cutting, even if you don't want to like put milk in or coffee with it, you can just do it plain in water. And it's so freaking good guys. Go click the sponsors link below. Scroll down to mushy love buy your pack today. Remember promo code Clayton promo code. I can't even talk right now. Promo code Clayton at checkout for 10% off your purchase. Mushy love mushrooms. Shouldn't have to taste like mud. Give yourself some mushy love. Sounds like another pendulum metaphor. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah I love it, dude. It'll, I'll definitely work the, the pendulum metaphor into the title somehow. <laughs> it sounds like it really wants to come through. And hey, man, like, I think that's also a beautiful thing to even just point out here where I know that's been so difficult over the last year and a half, I think, because my, my history, super masculine, dude, just very logically minded, getting to the gym, you know, just masculine. And then it was interesting in the last year and a half, I was very much just in my feminine of just, okay, I'm just going to go with the flow. As long as I just do something for my podcast, I'm just going to let it happen. You know, I'll just feel into it. But then I probably in the last I mean, I think it's that ongoing process, but I've seen this real big uptick in just productivity and things getting done as I've brought back in that masculine and trying to figure out how you actually can do it without being tyrannical, if you will, of, okay, at this time of day, I have to be here at that time of day. I'm going to be there. Like you should, there was, it was funny. I actually printed out this entire like week in advance of like, okay, at this time I'll be here. Then I'm going to drive to the gym at this time and then here. And it's like, yeah. bro, you're, you're, you're going too far the other direction now. I've done that. Yep. I lived that for a while <laughs> time. And I've also lived being a nomad traveling the world from a backpack with no calendar. Right. So yeah, I get it. Pendulum. But like, I think what's important here is to recognize like what is needed in the moment. Can you get there? Mm-hmm. If, you, if you've integrated both of those energies, what's needed right now and then shift into that frequency like that. And that's going to leadership. That's leading yourself. How do you, 
how do you see that? Yeah. Like given the, like the world around you, right? Like, is this, mm-hmm. is this like an internal question you're constantly asking yourself? Like, what's the state of my body? Where's the state of my heart? Does it need more masculine energy? Does it need more feminine? You know, when I'm chilling at the grocery store, getting groceries with my girlfriend, I don't need to be fucking masculine and doing that. We can chill out and have fun, especially if we're not on a time crunch, you know, mm, yeah. find myself getting groceries as if I was by myself going here, 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 here. Okay, cool. Let's go. <laughs> you know, and she's just like tagging along, wanting to have fun. And I can make it a stressful thing because she's just wanting to have fun. And I'm being too go, 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 go mm-hmm. masculine in it. Cause I didn't become aware of the, the context of what's happening and check where I was coming from. And that self-awareness is really moment to moment. Right. Um, like if you're dealing with this is one that's coming up for me recently, if you're dealing with finances, be a little bit more masculine and logical might be helpful more of the time. Right. And when you're in your feminine and you're in your flow or your certain emotions, like that could, or you just, you can chill and hang out in that. And again, I, I really don't like labeling it masculine feminine. I'm just like what energy is present and what's needed of me right now. Gotcha. Because when we start labeling it masculine feminine, it has a connotation. It has even the words carry something. And so I, I don't as much as possible like to use language when I'm doing this. And, and this is just my process at least. I'm like, I'm just feeling, I feel it. And this is me. I'm a, I'm a feeler. So I've, I feel the energy and if I'm like, Ooh, I'm ugh, constricted would be a word. I need to be expansive right now mm. linearly. Oh, I can like zoom out and be the space for this. Like those are all aspects of masculine and feminine in a different way. So there's really not two modes here. Right. And I think that's something to look at is what's your range. What's your capacity to where, where you can go. And let's think emotions for a second, right? Like if you can't, if you can feel happiness and sadness and gratitude and rage and all of these, all of the emotions, of the human experience. Well, that's range. If you can allow yourself to go there, but if you have a judgment towards your anger or repressed anger, like I did, uh, you then cut off a, a part of you, and you don't have the capacity to then go there. Well, that starts to create problems in your life. Well, it also truly free. Yeah, it would like limit your multidimensionality. Yeah, and that's yeah, that's interesting that you even express it that way, right? It's limiting you, right? And by definition would make you less free than you could be. You're, you're more confined, you're more narrow, you're more in this box, if you will. And so what is fascinating, and this might reintroduce the language of masculine, because as you were talking, I was kind of trying to think of, okay, how do you integrate play into masculine energy? And I guess it's that, is it, is it maybe the limitation that that language puts in it that makes it more difficult for us to even embody this vast multidimensional being that we are? Yeah. Language is confining. When we label things, it, it puts a box on it. And so it's like, can you be masculine and have fun? Of course doesn't have to be a feminine thing. What flavor of masculinity are you betraying on your scale, on your spectrum? 
Mm. If I'm super get it done mode, uh, you're not in alignment with what's being asked right now. What's in front of you. Can I be a blend of let's get it done? Cause we do have to be somewhere in an hour and let's have fun too. Of course can do that too. So again, it's not one or the other. Yeah. That's a huge thing that I think I know I've been even trying to integrate into my life is that element of play and fun just into any little thing. I mean, anything from this conversation to from just browsing my phone or working out, even, you know, take the most quote unquote masculine thing you have. And it's like, how do you integrate that play? And maybe this could be a good border or segue back into what you were talking about with, you know, let's say the gay lesbian couples and in comparison to the heterosexual couples, did you find anything maybe in their language or their energy that invoked this baseline of play or maybe any similar conversations that tend to come up whenever talking about this more we'll say serious heterosexual nature versus the playful gay nature if you will from my observation it was like there was a certain level of and again, I even saw this in heterosexual couples. So I, I, I hate to blanket it like this, but there, when, when somebody is, is in a playful space in their relationship, there's a level of togetherness or on the same team. And there's a level and they're, they're able to laugh at themselves, even if they're going through shit, mm. they're like, oh, wait a second, we're fighting about how to do the dishes. What the fuck? I love it. <laughs> it's crazy. It's, it's remembering the commonality instead of there's one disconnect. Oh my God, something's wrong. Trauma story, right? Like, um, part of the work is putting the work down. We're human. We're always going to have it. And so I think that that's natural. Like there was a meme that going around recently that like everybody wants to do ayahuasca, but nobody wants to do the dishes. (laughs) No, I haven't seen that. Oh, that's hilarious. There's also a quote. One of my friends told me, and I'm going to butchering it because I don't even know who it's from, but it's like, um, something along the lines of like, yeah, you can do DMT and be enlightened and one with your higher self and one with God. And then, and then, and then you got to do laundry. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. That comes after, right? Like remember that we're human. Yeah. (sighs) Yeah, dude. (laughs) No, it's, it's so true. And it's, it's something that I've, been thinking about a lot more recently because it's like you know i've i've done psychedelics i've done ayahuasca i've done you know in therapeutic setting of course and of course in recreate not ayahuasca recreationally and also i'd like to put the caveat in here that it's probably not for everybody so everybody this is not a you know consult your doctor is what i'm trying to say here (laughs) um but yeah. the reason I at least bring it up is because like with microdosing psilocybin, there's a piece of me that's always like, I want to bring this back. Like it's like this, this feeling of, I guess you would say being high, but it's, but it's not exactly being high. It's like being connected almost to the energy of play. And it's almost yeah. like, it's this like portal into bringing play and fun and joy into the present moment, no matter what I'm doing. Like if I took, if you gave me all the chores, like the worst things in the entire world, like, I don't know anything from clean the driveway to do the laundry, to wash dishes, to fold laundry, folding laundry is the worst in my opinion. (laughs) But if you were to put me on 
mushrooms like a microdose i'd be like oh fuck yeah like i can have so much fun with this like is it so cool like let me see how like cool i can make the fabric and get like you know it's so weird about it and it seems to me as though it's it's trying to figure out how to bring that portal into everyday life whether it's folding the laundry or making fun of your partner because they didn't do the dishes or something like that you know as opposed to having such this like serious minded nature about the way that we should be interacting as boyfriend and girlfriend or whatever else little box that we've been put into for this, this time space, you know, experience that we all signed up for. Yeah. That's an interesting one. I mean, do you see, do you see that as being something that people, I mean, your clients, if, if there's any, ah, I don't really want to phrase it that way. Well, I think what you're, what you're asking is like, what gets in the way? Why do we, why are we so serious with things? Sure. Yeah. And especially in relationships. Uh, yeah. Well, there's a saying that if the mind is full of shoulds, the heart is full of shame. And so a lot of times if we're, it should be different. I should be having fun right now. Heaviness, 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 heaviness. Well, it's coming from an inner heaviness of shame that's been unprocessed. Um, and so I honestly think it's just a, because, you know, we're, we're playful creatures by nature. We feel safe and regulated in our systems, which is what things like psilocybin and other medicines can help us do. It naturally comes through us. We don't have to try to have fun. Think about how serious that is. Let me like, <laughs> like how can I make this fun? Like, okay, yes. And um, when you relax, it'll naturally come through you. So much like just so be fun. fun, be fun. So what's in getting in the way of your, your fun with life. Right. And it could be certain traumas, shames, you you know, a lot of times what's happening is we're remembering something from the future and playing it out in the present. Right. So we're completely hypnotized and washed reacting to life as if we're going through some traumatic experience again, because we got triggered. Um, that's what a lot of trauma is the, the waves of, of trauma if it's unhealed so um, you know those are the things that get, get in the way ultimately and yes the healing work can be helpful for that it can also be a trap and you get kind of like quicksand stuck in it because you're never healed there's never a done there's never a there uh, so learn to have fun while you're doing it as well you know what I mean and I can I even see that I'm, I'm a part of a men's group here in Austin and um, for the past year and a half, I've gotten together once a month, about once a month, we put together a group where we'll go play paintball or archery tag or fucking like we're going to archery and then laser tag uh, this weekend and just having fun doing shit that we would do when we were teenagers or kids. It's like lighten the load. Um, and it's just missing for a lot of people that are in the work. I notice it's like, people that aren't quote unquote in the work are having more fun than you. Are you really then working? This episode of traveling to consciousness is brought to you by Superpass. Now, what the hell is Superpass, you might be asking? Well, I use Superpass to host my website, host all of my amazing content. I use them 
for my app, the app, the amazing app that I know you're listening to this on that I don't even need to tell you about that's available on the Amazon and oh, it's not available on Amazon. It's available on the iOS and Google Play Store. That app, the one that you're listening to this podcast on, the Traveling to Consciousness app, they're absolutely amazing. So honestly, if you're a content creator and need to organize and put things in one place, I highly recommend Superpass. They have an amazing community. They have an amazing support team who I've always been in contact with, reaching out with, and they're always increasing that product. So I highly recommend it. At checkout, I highly also recommend that you use promo code Clayton2022 because you'll receive 10% off your first 12 months of a yearly or monthly package, which is up to like a $300 value, which is crazy. So please go do that. Check that out. Click the link below, go down to sponsors, click on the Superpass affiliate link and sign up today. Superpass, everything you need to build a content business. Or is it really working? <sighs> so it's a, it's a, a powerful question and something that I know I quickly came upon with spirituality, especially, I mean, if you look at some of my earlier episodes of the podcast, I was a lot more in the that serious, I got to get this work done. I got to do it. I got to try. And it hit me like kind of around, I don't remember what episode it was, so I'm not going to guess, but somewhere along the way, I kind of got to this place of like, this is all a little too serious. Like something's, something's wrong here, right? Like, like something feels off that everyone's taking this, that quote unquote, everyone is taking the spirituality thing so serious. And of course, you know, as we find out, it's all a reflection. It's like, I'm only seeking the seriousness in it. And it's like, oh shit, like, let me take a step back. Let me be a little bit more playful and fun with these topics. Let me kind of take my hands off the wheel, you know, and I'm sure this is might be even something that you've seen mirrored to yourself through relationship counseling, where people take this shit seriously. And it's interesting because it seems like at some point it's like, yo, we're not here for very long. 80 years, if we're lucky, is just a blip on the radar of history. You know, why are we why are we getting so caught up in this? Why is it so serious? Why is it such a big deal if, you know, you didn't do the dishes or I didn't, well, you know, whatever. Have you found like a common thing that like occurs with people or why these serious structures get brought up? Is it is it purely just trauma based or is there, is there something else going on? I would say a large part of it is trauma based. Yeah. Because when we contract in fear, you know, thinking life and death in terms of chemistry in our body, it's going to be fucking serious. And if you don't get out of that, you don't learn to regulate or create safety then yeah, you're just going to stay in a lens and the way you view life is super serious because to you, if you drop the ball, if you mess up, if you, whatever, don't get there, then it affirms your biggest fears. Mm. Um, and it equates to death in your body, you know, the, or the ego is going to be wrong or whatever it is. So it's really just how much fear is running the show. And in my life, I can look back on the times where I, I am super serious, and even recently where I get super serious about shit. And it's like, well, I just am really scared. Oh, and then I fear that I feel the sadness behind that, the fear behind that, the what ifs, and I allow my nervousness to flow through my body and all the feelings. The seriousness goes away. That's beautiful. Is there any? And, sorry, go ahead. Yeah, I'm 
just saying like so much of our suffering is because we're unconsciously or consciously, but mostly unconsciously avoiding feeling our feelings. Avoiding feeling our feelings. So is there a process you do to, uh, do you, to give yourself permission, if you will, or become aware of feeling those feelings? If you're in a perpetual miserable state, that's a sign. If you're anxious, that's a sign that something's off, whether you're, you're not living a life that's true to you, you're not truly being yourself or you're not, you're, there's some feeling under there that you're avoiding feeling, um, bad habits and other things. Any symptom, those are all symptoms. Any symptom, something's off. The best way to come back into wholeness within yourself is to feel what's real. And, um, you know, people don't going to get lost. They don't want to, they don't want to feel their fears or their sadness because they don't, they, they don't want to get lost in it. They don't want, they think that, well, I won't be able to get back, come back because it, it'll be too much. Mm. But if you don't feel it, you're never really here in the first place. That makes sense. So, you know, it's like the process that I do, you know, is looking at the symptoms. Okay. All too serious anxiety, depression, uh, slew of things. Got it. There's, there's something to be faced within me. What is it? Most of the time you already know, but, um, I remember early on, you know, when I didn't, this is like learning a language, like learning French or something. It's going to take some time. You need to be patient. Oh, that's something means there's an emotion that, Oh, okay. Let me relax. There it is. Boom. And then you're able to cry or you need to rage and go to a fucking rage room and break some shit. Like I, I do that with my clients. It's really fun. Um, and again, we make the work fun. If you need to let out some anger, let's go to a rage room and throw on some Metallica or death metal and fucking throw a, throw shit at a baseball bat, like break a laundry mat or something, right? Like it can be fun even while you're doing the work. There's things like breath work that help relax your, your system and are able to, for you to be in touch with yourself. Um, there's things like plant medicine that'll allow you to feel your feeling. There's uh, so many ways to do it, but essentially if you, you'll get to a place where you can just, mm, there it is. Let me not distract myself. Cool. Kind of like, all right, I'm going to lock my door. I'm in this and I'm going to feel it. And I'm not leaving this room until I feel it. I'm curious. And, uh, Go you know, ahead. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's kind of where I'm at. I'm like, Oh, that's what I got. Okay. Yeah. I'm just going to let myself feel this then. And I create the safety and the safe space to feel it. And I think part of healing is also allowing people to witness. So whether it's having the support of a friend to be the safe space for you to, to do that, or at least sharing it with somebody after you process is also very helpful for your healing. Mm -hmm. It's a great, like, okay, I did that. I processed that. I've moved on beyond just letting it out, like even having a conversation is integration. To just get into the physical form. Yeah. So I'm curious, do you, do you speak French? Cause when you said that, it was like, no, you don't speak French. <laughs> no, but it, it, I'm, what I'm saying is like learning how to feel your feelings is the same as learning a, a language because it is a language in itself kind of that we've forgotten. We live up in our head from the neck up and we overanalyze, overthink and, we're up here and those that disconnect because we're disconnected from our bodies, our emotions, our heart. Right. And so when we start just, I think a lot of 
mental health issues or anxiety or human suffering is literally us just running from feeling our feelings because we've labeled feeling bad as bad. <laughs> like, can you just be bored? Is it a bad thing to be bored? What if that's the portal through which creation speaks to you, but you're scrolling instead mm. and you're distracting yourself constantly because it's uncomfortable. We, we've, we've think uncomfortable is bad. Yeah, dude. So many things between just even labeling things as good or bad is, is a trippy thought to begin with. Right. Like, yeah. And you bring a good point to it of like, how do you know being bored isn't how you get to that next level? What if you need to be bored to experience something else? And yeah, through the label of good and bad, how have you seen even just that labeling, you know, kind of shift dynamics and relationships? Like I'm, I'm sure, at least I'm only assuming that what one person labels as bad, someone could very easily label as good, or I love when you do that, or I, it's cool when you do that. No, I hate whenever I do that. Like, I'm sure that could build a lot of tension within relationships as well. Definitely. And that's where you, it's important to be with the right person and who's going to love you for all the right reasons. And, and this is, it's kind of mentally bringing me back to, you know, how you're talking about, like, there's the, the Kevin Hart, and then there's the Kevin and Summer Hart. Do we mm-hmm. almost like in some way, shape or form co-create that, let's say symbolic heart with, you know, our family members, with our siblings. I mean, maybe even our friends, maybe we're even kind of co-creating one as well as we create this podcast. Is that something that we co-create with every person that we interact with and some are just stronger than others? hundred percent. Then the one, you know, if it's in, the more intimate it is, the stronger it is at the end of the day. Um, and you know, in that intimacy is really just vulnerability, how, how vulnerable, how deep, how deep have you gone? And that means that that heart, so to speak, is going to get bigger and more important in your life. And because it's bigger, it's going to more have a more effect on your own personal. Mm. And so it is not necessarily a bad thing, but it's now something to be pay attention to. Well, it seems like, yeah, something to pay attention to, right? Because in the, my mind, I guess, spiritually speaking, they, they talk about like chords that develop between people, like where, you know, you're, you're, you become energetically, I guess, attached or entangled with other people. And, and so it seems like that's something to even be consciously aware of, right? Because if you are co-creating this, this metaphorical heart between a, a relationship, you need to be aware, conscious of what that other person is putting into it, whether it's a friendship or a family member. And it's like that co-created metaphysical metaphorical heart is connected to your heart as well. So there's a level of discernment of, is, of if you wish to, I feel like I'm getting like really, um, like Aubrey Marcus or like sod guru on this, like, <laughs> like some yeah. deep yoga metaphysical thing here, but I don't know. Am I, am I going too deep on this or is there a no, level I'm, of I'm, truth I'm here? Sticking with you. There's a level of truth to it, you know, and, and this episode of traveling to consciousness is brought to you by Aquarius mushrooms and Aquarius mushrooms creates what I can only describe as these fine art sculptures that are all one of a kind and these plush mushroom fabric sculptures. 
They're what I would describe as being like little trip buddies. They're perfect for anyone who has a room that is dedicated to spiritual adventures or anyone who is looking for a fine piece of art that is one of a kind. I think I said that, but one of a kind to enhance their psychedelic experience. I'm sober and I look at mine all the time and it just oozes out this creative and spiritual energy that I it's hard for me to stop looking at sometimes. And so if you are on even maybe just smoking some weed, like I can only see how this thing would open up a portal to a new world. So I highly recommend that you click the sponsors link below, scroll down where you see Aquarius mushrooms, click their website and see if any of them speak to you. Because if it does, I can only imagine how it's going to speak to you in the real world. Aquarius mushrooms, mushrooms for the new age of enlightenment. At least when we're talking cord, energetic cords and stuff, um, my spiritual teacher, one of them, uh, Master Ko, he does pranic healing. And, uh, you know, when we're cutting cords and through the modality that I taught or that I've learned, he taught that you can't really cut a positive cord. Hmm. Um, because why would you want to? It's supporting you, it brings you joy. Um, and so, for, from a spiritual perspective, and at least using pranic healing, if you cut all of your cords, what you're really cutting is the negative ones. Oh, I like that. Because if something is benefiting you, why would you want to cut it off? It's like a fetus cutting off the umbilical cord. Like, what? Why would you do that? <laughs> <laughs> because yeah. you're so spiritual and you don't need cords. Like, <laughs> I am detached from everything. That kind of goes into exactly. what that goes into what you were saying earlier. <laughs> <laughs> being too detached oh that's crazy that's really fascinating too because it's almost like ah uh, i'm trying to think of a. Uh, so my personal example is there is actually someone who reached out to me recently that i was kind of like it's sort of kind of an ex we'll say she was an ex i don't want to get too personal about it you know out of respect for her but it was interesting because i did recently go through this whole cord cutting thing with uh you know someone i had on the podcast they sent me a pdf i did this metaphorical cord cutting and i realized that there was like a lot of tangled up cords from this person and i remember after going through it she reached out to me within like a couple days after and i was like huh i was like this is kind of weird and i'm kind of sitting there in this quasi state of like i thought i cut these cords like you know why is she you know reaching out but it might be exactly what you're saying here where it's no, I only cut the negative ones and let's say the harmonious, the positive ones, the goodwill ones still remained even from my, let's say, ignorance of, of believing I cut them. Does that kind of make sense? Yeah. Do you feel like well, it strengthens those positive ones? Oh, for sure. Um, and when you cut cords, it, it's felt by the other end too. Mm. Quantumistically, I mean, I had an experience last year where I didn't know I was cutting cords, but I really got to a place where I was like, I'm going to stop beating myself up because I'm so fucking hard on myself. And that day, dude, like so many people from my past reached out to me the same fucking day. Sheesh. Yeah. So when you go to another level, it's felt, the ripple is felt. And quantum physics, however we want to describe it, it has, it has something and that can be seen as a test, be seen as multiple, however you want to label it, we're going to give it some meaning, but it happens. 
for my science uh my science nerds out there because i'm definitely one of them look up quantum entanglement <laughs> yes. reference reference quantum entanglement so what is, what is your chord cutting process look like are you like just visualizing these chords is it barely do it to be honest with you no. like, i just if yeah i i focus on if i'm focused on giving and this was another pranic healing to the technique if you're giving and giving and giving and giving and giving when somebody's in a distressed energy mm. they it's not gonna you're not gonna take on their energy so even if i'm just imagining white light pouring out of my heart into them as i'm holding space or in a client call or whatever it can be supportive. Now, if I really want to cut cords, because I'm like, well, that was a lot. I'm in their energy right now. This isn't me. Like, I just imagine, and this is a, again, pranic healing. Imagine from my pinky all the way to my elbow, and this is like a lightning blue energy. And you just cut, cut, cut. You say it three times, boom. Um, you can also shake it out, twerk it out, sing it out, whatever the fuck you want to do but move your body, use your breath, voice in your body to get back into yourself and into your center. And uh, you can use whatever, whatever visualization exercise you want. Uh, it's really just coming back into your own energy. That's interesting. And kind of, as you were talking there, you're talking about as a, like if you're just pouring out, let's say positive or positive seems like a weird one, but if you're at least always coming from a place of love in relation to other people, you're not going to form negative chords because it takes, this goes back to, it takes two to tango. If however yeah. you start having thoughts or uh, ego doesn't feel like the right word, but a lower frequency, if you have like a lower frequency intention, that's whenever you're going to start forming connections with other people or other things that are of lower frequency than for your highest self. And that's whenever this idea of chords becomes one of, stunting your growth that doesn't feel right of limiting your potentiality for growth true that's a better yeah. way to look at it i would say so okay well then while we're on this spiritual thing there is something i don't i've kind of briefly talked about on here but i haven't really fully dove into it which is yeah. twin flames is that something you've kind of seen in your way? I love when you laugh at I love whenever my guests laugh at things because <laughs> I know exactly what it means. So, <laughs> uh, so are they ridiculous or are they something? Simply put, I, yeah, I think Twin Flames is a label that the spiritual community has put on trauma bonding. Okay. Simply put, I mean, the push pull of a Twin Flame it's the same as a trauma bond. You can say that it's a good thing in past lives. I don't know. Don't know. Uh, we're all intertwined. We're all interconnected. We all have aspects of our past selves that have lived in past lives and we were lovers in past lives. Okay. Yeah. It, kind of with anybody, we have some relation to uh, because we all come from source. So yes. And is it healthy for your fucking nervous system or is it healthy for your well-being to be in that dynamic? Um, and maybe your spiritual evolution with this twin flame is that they're there to teach you to be, to detach or to be independent. Uh, you know, the evolution may not be getting back with them as your ego wants. Maybe it's, Oh, I really fucking care too much about this connection and I'm really codependent. Oh, I've got some trauma on this. And, I'm really fucking attached. Let me learn detachment. Let me learn to, to come back into my own energy. And in that, 
maybe your soul falls, and that's what it's looking for. So could it is this twin flame? Maybe. I don't know. I don't think there's a way to know. Is it a trauma bond? In my eyes, yes. Whatever you call it, it's there to teach you to mature and to heal. Mm. That's beautiful. Yeah. Now you have to detach from what it looks like on the other side, being with them or not or whatever. What is it? What what in your relationship and in your love life is showing up and what's triggering within you, showing you what is unhealed within you? Well, go do that. Work on that. Don't focus so much on work and be with the other person. You know, it, it's seeing relationships, whether it's a trauma bond or a fucking twin flame or just a real life partner, healthy relationship, anything, whatever shows up in a intimate relationship is the biggest spiritual dojo is the biggest ceremony you can ever partake in mm. is being in a partnership and all just like ceremony in plant medicine, it's there to teach you about you. And if we can see that we can enjoy it, we can enjoy the journey and enjoy the ceremony. And we can also integrate our shadow. We can also grow. We can also heal from things. This episode of Traveling to Consciousness is brought to you by Buzzsprout. And now this ad is for any of my fellow podcasters out there, or even if you're starting to think about a podcast or creating one, a key that you need to know is that you got to put your audio somewhere Then you need someone or something to distribute that audio. And Buzzsprout is by far the best option that I have found to get your audio put out on all of the mainstream directories like Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon, Google Play Store, all of them iHeartRadio, you name it. I have been able to be featured on over 18 different podcast platforms because of how easy Buzzsprout makes it to integrate and host your audio on these sites. And honestly, I think I'm hosted on even more than that, but that's all that they'll tell me is it's over 18. And they have great software to track where your episodes are being downloaded, how many downloads you're getting, and so much more. Guys, I highly recommend it for anyone who is starting or interested in starting a podcast. So please go check the sponsors link down in the bottom of the show notes. Scroll down once you get there, go to Buzzsprout, click on the link, and I want you to start hosting, start your podcast because we need more. It's amazing. Buzzsprout, podcast hosting made easy. And fall more into ourselves, which is ultimately at the end of the day, what everyone's looking to do is to grow and to love ourselves more and love others more and open our hearts and be in our hearts. Well, we get to see what's preventing us from that. And going back to what I talked about earlier with peace is we can disassociate and avoid all of our triggers and be in this delusional state of peace, or we can face it all and integrate it all and happy well with courage and go inward to face those shadow aspects of ourselves so do you feel like that it's a a term or a phrase that's doing more harm than good or do you think it's serving its purpose as it as it should if you will a label's a label i don't think labeling anything is necessarily the best thing sometimes it can be but Does labeling it that give you this freed, expansive feeling? I guess that's up. Does it give you a false sense of confidence? Because now you get to know what it is. And that's kind of up to the 
people to figure out for themselves. Yeah. I mean, again, this is all my personal, my personal take on it. I think twin flame trauma bond, same thing in my eyes, in my eyes, from my research, from my observations, from my experience. And, um, at the end of the day, work on you. What is it showing you? How can you grow? How can you, like the argument is on what is it? Well, but it's, there's so much talk about what it is, uh, or who's right for me, who's wrong for me, what a healthy relationship is, uh, you know, instead of, well, who do I need to be or what, let's work on this relationship. It's all like, they're, they're, they're this, they're that, they're a narcissist, they're codependent, they're this attachment style, da, 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 so many fucking labels, but there's no conversation about what does it take to be in a healthy relationship or what does it take to, to grow and evolve as a person that we're stuck on labeling things mm. as a certain way because to the fear brain and to the mind who's occupied in fear, we're looking for a false sense of security. So putting a label on, oh, they're narcissists. That's why now it makes sense. Oh, it's a twin flame thing. That's why now it makes sense. But does it free you? Or are you just trying to make sense of it when really you just need to sense it and come back into your senses so you can be more whole within yourself? And it doesn't then doesn't have to make sense because you grew from it. Well, and that's the end goal, right? But is to grow from it. But do we need to make sense of things in order to grow from them? Because I know as humans, we're like these meaning making machines, if you will, like we just make meaning out of anything. And we, you know, try to put things in categories almost to make ourselves feel safe. Right. I mean, that's what this all comes back to is if you're going to push into fear, if you're going to feel safe and actually really hit home with me recently because I had someone on and we went out conspiracy theories and they started talking about flat earth and all this stuff. And and it was interesting because I was providing points. I'm a, I'm a glober in case you were wondering, (laughs) definitely earth is round, but, but it was fascinating conversation because anytime I present any sort of information or argument for the earth being round, they were meeting me with, well, that also proves my theory of flat earth. And I bring this all up because it's like almost this interesting play of trying to make sense of the world in a way that justifies the way that I view the world as it stands right now. And it seems as though twin flame does that, but it just like almost redefines trauma bond in, in the way you're describing it. Yeah. We see the world as we are. We see the world as we are, not as it is. If you want to change the world, change you. Yes. No. Um, so if I'm hurt and angry, repressed, okay, I might see the world as this dangerous place. I might label people as stupid. Um, and I might see a lot of hurt. Now, if somebody's on the other end of that spectrum and maybe they're they see it's unicorn and rainbows. Well, that person now is also delusional because they're not accepting that maybe they're in love and light and everything's love and light, but they're not integrating their shadow. They're not seeing that their shit stinks too. And they're ignoring the shit in the world. 
Well, if we're integrated, we can see all of it. We can see that, yeah, there's some fucked up shit happening. And there's also beautiful things happening too. And when we can harmonize the two of those, well, that means we've also integrated ourselves and we can see the world as the totality that it is. And we can see reality for reality without placing a meaning on it. We can see a tree without thinking tree. We can see a car without thinking car. We don't label it. We don't say, oh, that's that. Our brain defaults to that because there's so much input and information all the time. Mm. But if we can see the beauty of what is in front of us without labeling it something as previous, well, that's really being present with. And then we can actually see it for what it is. Okay. This is, this is really an interesting conversation because this is kind of tying into how you were even saying earlier that we almost need to find a way to even step away from the labeling of masculine versus feminine energy, right? There's this, what it feels like is almost even upgrading, upgrading our perception to what might be just that next level of not needing words, if you will, we don't need, it's almost just this dance with the universe that we're so in touch with our own feelings that we can even just feel the energy of other people where we don't need labels in a sense to I'm trying to, I'm trying to see, cause I, I like, I can see it, but it's like, it's hard to articulate almost. And it, maybe it's something that you're not, it, it almost is, doesn't do it justice to articulate, but is there a way that this could lead us to almost further confusion without like, and, and I'm kind of seeing it as like this degeneration of, of words and labels, right? Like this is a podcast, you know, you're a person, I'm a person. Yeah. It gets more confusing. Right. But is there, but it feels like there's, it gets more, con, the degeneration of words would lead to more confusion, but I'm really trying to, I'm trying to think of this. Cause I know that there have been times where I've meditated and like truly, let's say integrated with a tree that I was looking at or like merged consciousness, if you will, which I know sounds really crazy, but if you do it, you can definitely do it. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's a trippy feeling. And to your point, I have felt that there's more just to that tree than the word tree can even possibly embody. Like, yeah. I mean, I say tree and some people might be thinking of a pine tree. I mean, I was thinking of like an oak tree or you could be thinking of a maple tree. And so even the word tree is so broad, but how do we, how is there even this ability for us to even i hate to say degenerate language but dissolve labels dissolve labels in such a sense that we are able to take like this next step in evolution or this next step in interfacing with the world if you will it's a spectrum how far are you taking it right and just are you caught up in labeling everything and trying to find meaning in everything, or can you be with some uncertainty? Uncertainty makes people afraid. Yeah. Is it okay not to know? Is it okay to just be with what is? Can you be with the fact that maybe you don't know? Can you be with the fact that it's uncomfortable? Can you be with the fact that you don't know yet? 
And how does that, how does not knowing integrate into this conversation? Not knowing why you, your soul intertwined with another. Why did that happen? Uh, I don't know yet. Mm. Maybe it's just, can I just trust that it's what I needed to go through in order to grow? I see what you're saying. And one day, looking back, I'll be able to connect the dots. But when we try to prematurely label it because we're uncomfortable and we need to know, um, again, you'll have a sense of growing, but you're growing uh, laterally, or I guess it's horizontally. You're not growing laterally. You're growing, you're making a ladder, a side to side shift, horizontal shift. You're going from here to here. You're, you're, uh, different for sure, but you're on the same quote unquote level. Do you want to go to the next level up? If you want to grow in consciousness and expand, that's an up conversation. That means not just different, but growing. So, you know, I, and I, this is, a for a, a, a uh, example sake, like somebody who is going back to the fitness life that I had before, uh, a couch potato, and then they change their life and they become manic into fitness. They've changed their life. They've grown in some ways. Maybe they've grown a little bit spiritually, laterally, but really it's a giant horizontal shift. You picking up what I'm putting down? Is your consciousness different or are you just more energized and you look different? Yeah, I think like the visual I'm getting right because it's going to go back to the pendulum is like you're saying it's a a pendulum versus we're, it sounds like what we're talking about is a is bringing the pendulum up as opposed to just leaving it on the same plane or surface yeah yeah and and you know like the couch potato or was had a obsessive eating disorder you know, eating a lot and then they just start counting their macros well there's still there's a disorder around food still it just changed this episode of traveling to consciousness is brought to you by revive cbd now I know what you're thinking, another CBD product. And typically I would completely agree with you. I've gone through all my trials and tribulations with CBD products, but this CBD cream is unlike anything else. Honestly, I don't know what it is, but there's something in the technology of it that it helps absorb into your skin and actually get to the place that aches and soothes your muscles almost instantaneously. It's close to instant. It's probably about a five to 10 minute activation that I've noticed, but sometimes it goes a little bit quicker. And so I know it can be difficult for the find the right one. And this was my personal favorite that I found after long enough. <laughs> I don't want to go back to that dark time, but I found it. It works amazing. And the creator of it is an incredible guy. So I highly recommend you click the sponsors link below, click on the revive CBD tab and get yours today. Revive CBD, feel better, live better, all premium, all natural CBD products. Are you free? Or... Mm. That's the question. And so by freer. by dropping these labels, it invokes that free energy because you're no longer attached to this word or definition. True. Now, is this, and this is going to tie back into relationships, I've noticed that a lot more people have been using the term partner as opposed to boyfriend and girlfriend in our generation. Is that where this ties in that people don't want to 
Like, you know, I'm heterosexual. I don't want to identify as having a girlfriend. It's just my partner. Is that kind of where this energy is coming from? Probably. Probably. Is. I would say so. It's just, I actually don't know. Yeah. yeah Cause that's something that it would seem, seem so. It's like it boyfriend, girlfriend, partner, partners, non genderified. So it's safer. Do you say that Summer's your girlfriend or your partner? Both. I don't, I, it's interchangeable. We went through a phase where we were both saying partner a lot, and then we were through a phase with boyfriend, girlfriend, and it, we haven't really had a conversation about it, but it doesn't bother me either way. Interesting. Yeah, I just kind of noticed it, and it's like, I don't know. I, I guess I haven't really truly felt into that energy too much. I just know that... <laughs> When I've talked to people older than myself, my parents for sure, they've brought it up where they're like, people say partner now, and I don't know if they're yeah. gay or straight or like, what's going on here? <laughs> and so it's like, yeah, I don't know why people are doing that either. So I, I felt like that fit into this conversation of, you know, labels and then, you know, relationships. You can even words like uh, sacred union or you're just in a partnership. Like, <laughs> what's the difference really looking at it without the label for a second you're in a relationship mm. and sure it might it might be supportive for you to think of it differently and for but i don't know man it, it, like everybody wherever somebody's at a level of consciousness or in pocket of consciousness and what i might mean by that is like bubbles that they're in we are who we hang out around. So what's the wordage of the people that you're around and the level of consciousness or vocabulary that you have access to mm. is just the words you're going to use. And it, we're just seeing that culturally shift right now. People are saying partner instead of boyfriend, girlfriend. I don't think that necessarily is any different. Also, you know, if somebody says conscious union or divine union uh, and somebody else would be like, what the fuck? <laughs> so you're in a relationship, <laughs> you know, it's the, it's the same thing, but your circle says that word. And so you're going to use that word. Uh, we, especially in the spiritual community, dude, are in a fucking bubble, hardcore. And I don't think we know it. Yeah. There's a, maybe we do, but we're in a bubble. What makes you say so, that? The words of that nature. And then, like I said, the majority of the population would be like, oh, so you're just in a relationship. Hmm. But I feel, I mean, just you saying a divine union, like that makes it feel almost like more special, right? Yeah. But then there's that. And, and this, whatever floats your boat, you know, like there's not a right or wrong way to say the language or a label on something either. I'm not saying that divine union is bad or just calling it a relationship is bad or boyfriend, girlfriend is right or wrong. It, it just is. And whatever fits for you, great. But can you also hold the truth that it's just a link, a label that you have on it. Well, so, and that's what seems to be the important aspect of this, right? Is that it's almost like to detach from the label, just because this has kept coming up and trying to really like work this out, but it's almost detaching from that label, right? Like whether you're saying divine union, boyfriend, girlfriend, partner, it's almost that feeling into the energy that's behind this word it's not about the word itself it's about the energy that's carried with it in the conversation yeah yeah 
it's not yeah because i don't know it's just it, it seems like if we're i don't know because there's still something that feels to me that there's like a little bit uh how would you articulate it being held back like is because it's it, it seems like there's a, a safe uh, there's a balance here that has to be played out of completely degenerating away labels or being not being attached to them but then we still need to be able to hold communication right like like if we've never met before and i shoot you an email it's like if there's no labels involved and i want to invite you on my podcast like that's just it feels like it's just not going to happen like there's no way for me to say hey kevin you want to come on my podcast if we completely remove labels of kevin and podcast and mine which is possessive over podcast you know what i mean like if we're talking about ultimate detachment and and degeneration of labels it's like you're not going to have a pot. You're not going to have anything, right? Nothing would get done. Yeah. That's not a way to live. Yeah. That's a crazy. That's the, that's the end of the spectrum. Right. But can you go there for sake of range? Do you have it within you to go to that state of consciousness? If you need to, if you're overthinking, for example, if you need to get present, for example, mm. can you shift there? What's needed, you know, if you're in a silent retreat fucking go there dude like that's the place for it if you've been overthinking and really stressed and you have a few hours to yourself can you go there right can you detach let go objectively view your life zoom out that type of a thing right don't live there there's a there's that's the thing there's not a right or wrong what's needed in the moment can i go there Mm. and do i have it within me to go there and i think life experience and having gone there gives you the range to go there similar to a vocalist if they're a uh, pitch in their voice some people are a uh, monotone they're in this one little small range or somebody can go super high and then super low that range is also emotionally it can also be in terms of consciousness uh and experience through tonalities of ways of states of being Picking up what I put down on that, like I think it's beautifully that's really put. What I'm I think it's beautifully put because I, even in the terms of a song, right? If if there's yeah. a certain song that's calling for a higher pitch or a lower pitch, it's just kind of like the way of life. Like you're just saying, you know, there's some situations that require you to be more masculine, that require you to be more feminine, and so it's almost this dance, if you will, of which place do we need to be in for this given moment? Do we want to be higher pitched? Do we want to be lower pitched? Is it is it something that we need to be in the middle, you know, and it's kind of feeling into that energy of the time as opposed to saying, well, I'm going to be super masculine and pull the pendulum all the way over here and then I'm going to let go. And now we're going to be super feminine and just flow with it and just see what happens. Yeah. And just, you know, the only difference between I learned this after my near death experience, which we can get into if you want, but, um, the only difference between medicine and a toxin is dosage and usage volume. Mm. So if you're too much of one thing, that can be problematic. Yeah. I mean, too much water can kill you. Yeah. It drowns you, right? Mm-hmm. Well, dude, you, too much oxygen is a bad thing. you teased it up, dude. So what, what happened with this near death experience, man? Overdosed on Wachuma. Wachuma. Is that, uh, San Pedro. San Pedro. Right. Okay. Yeah. 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 Um, it was, it was powdered and, um, this is my eighth sitting with it, but not, I've never sat with powdered. And I know this now that 
to the process of making it powdered literally like destroys the soul of the plant. Like, oh shit. Shredding it. I didn't know this. Cooking. Yeah. Yeah. So this is good Intel versus cooking it. So, okay. Um, I'm like, that makes so much sense. Like if I'm, if I respectfully, you know, send a lot of love to this plant as I'm nourishing it and then I, you know, I end its life and I cook it properly. Like it's going to feel different in your body than if I just rip it out of the ground and put it in a shredder. Of course. I mean, you know, of course so, now, you know, of course now after, it makes sense. yeah, now I know. <laughs> yeah, in hindsight, you're like, oh, duh, uh, yeah, yeah. So it was powdered, and I didn't know dosage, and neither did the person serving me, which is red flag number one. And I had enough accidentally for about thirty people, <sighs> and threw up three giant salad bowls worth of shit, and was psychotic for a month, high for three days. Uh, it rocked me. You know, and again, I mean, I got to the point where I saw this tunnel and the light and like going into it and I was letting go and I'm like, I know what this is. Fuck no, I, this isn't my time. And I, uh, I don't know if you're familiar with Tony Robbins, like peak state. Yes. Like, okay. So I worked for the guy for five yeah. years, five, seven years doing events. Uh, I peak stated my way back into my body for like three hours because I was like, I'm not leaving. I'm not leaving. I'm not leaving. I'm not leaving. Anytime I would slightly lose full intense presence i would like it was like a backward somersault like backflip in in how i felt so i, I would feel like and i was like no like i'm here and i'd be in fucking egypt 18 years ago no i'm here and i'd be in fucking like i was jumping timelines and it was fucking crazy and i was just like i'm not going like i have a mission i chose to be here again and i've talked to quite a few people who've had near-death experiences and they all said that there was a defining moment of, are you sure? Like, and they were, they have chose to come back. They chose to stay here. Um, and so that's how I know it was a near death experience because I never got tested or checked for anything, but you know, hearing voices for a month after and being suicidal and going through because all of my good hormones were depleted. Right. Right. Like shit afterwards. Uh, yeah, it was a tough time, man. And I, and I felt the ripple effect of that three years out even now been three years uh where i had ibs gut problems leaky gut pituitary thyroid dysfunction uh adrenal shot like i had um my cognition was missing so i had to do a bunch of stuff for that tons of biohacking shit to come back basically but it rocked me for a while man jeez bro that's crazy yeah i know i've i've sometimes i've talked to a couple people with near-death experiences and some people say that they don't see anything and it's just like nothing, but I mean, dude, that's a crazy experience as well, because I'm sure like with San Pedro, it probably releases DMT. And I know whenever you die, DMT is what's released as well. How and I've, I've done Bufo and Father Mio, right. And I've had that experience before that one. Mm. So I knew kind of what that felt like. And this was different, bro. I mean, I did experience, had, you know, some sort of a DMT release. Yeah. But it was, it was different. And I saw the way I put it. Oh, I mean, it sounds different, dude. I mean, how did that, yeah. what was your, I guess, experience like with spirituality before this? And, and did this, I mean, I guess if you had been doing some psychedelics before, you were probably getting pushed into spirituality. But then how did this, like, did this change it? Did this, amplify it yeah i i mean i was in the spiritual scene spiritual community even uh for about a year so i had that was my eighth sitting with, with san pedro right i had done proper ceremonies with 
shamans mm. and it was cooked and you know it's very healing for me in a lot of ways and um also doing bufo and mushrooms like i was in ceremonies right uh this one it was just at served out of integrity it was it was a private sitting chick didn't know what she was doing i trusted and um and we can look and zoom out and be super spiritual about it and say i brought myself there because i was an extremist it kind of hit me like a weed brownie. I was like, I don't feel anything. Let's take some more. I don't feel anything. Let's take some more. I don't feel anything. Let's take some uh, yeah. more. Boom. So, yeah. Um, but it did change my, you know, in that month when I was losing it mentally, I had a buddy of mine who was um, really good at NLP and coaching. And so he lived close. We would hang out all the time before that. So he was coming and checking in on me and, and stuff. And, making sure I was eating and like being fed and everything because I was just not taking care of myself. And, uh, he kind of helped me come back just having that familiarity and friend, uh, which I'm super grateful for. And the, I remember the switch, there was two moments that really switched things for me and got me on a different trajectory because I was spiraling downhill quick. One of them was, um, I took myself in, intuitively to a graveyard and just walked around and was like, dude, you're fucking alive. Quit your bitching. Like, be grateful, bro. <laughs> You're alive, dude. That's powerful. You fucking won. Everything else is a game. And so, also at the same time, I was kind of having a spiritual, like, I was waking up, you know? Yeah. Like, all the stuff I stressed about, like, I, oh, were these, these animals floating around on a rock? Like, I was coming, I was waking up at the same time. And so, that was a huge shift to return to gratitude every day and just be grateful for all the little things instead of living consciously cautious consciously stressed and worried all the time which was my old state that i was coming out of and it was just amplified in that uh, time after especially and then i was had a friend of mine who then became my mentor for two years uh, will reason and he does somatic experiencing and that's when i got to understand trauma and the nervous system and I, through his work, really um, introduced me to it. But I kind of went there myself of like, oh, dude, your body's not well. Take care of your body. And so I shelved all the mindset stuff that was going on, all of the spiritual woo that was happening. And I was just like, I have leaky gut. Let me fix it. Like, and I got super into the science of it all and very, very, very grounded. Mm. And then quite literally grounded <laughs> my nervous system. Right. right. And that brought me out of it as well and hold, holding that perspective so did this experience do you think it created i mean it i don't even know how to explain it but from your perspective did it create trauma within you within your 100 percent. like that was physical okay. trauma that it created yeah and i still like i'm I very hesitant around playing this now maybe a microdose a micro of a microdose like i, I and since then, I've been extremely sensitive to even things like caffeine. Uh, I've had too much coffee. I start tweaking. Like, oh wow, it's bad. So I'm just sensitive now. I built my resiliency up. I've healed my gut in a lot of ways. But there's been there's an effect afterwards, right? I'm, I'm not who I used to be, and um, I can make meaning of that. Say that I've grown in some ways, and I, you know, you know well, not in some ways, but it is what it is. It happened. I am who I am now and I get to make the best of it. And that's what I, that's at least the mindset I hold. Cause I can, I can hold a perspective of giving meaning to it all and seeing how it helped me. It helped me tremendously in a lot of ways. And I can also see that another perspective of that wasn't okay. And right. Like 
none of that was okay at all. Uh, so, I mean, from the perspective, yeah, I mean, in, in the perspective of helping, I mean, first of all, I've never done Sam Pedro. I've always kind of thought about it. So I know you're helping me by pointing out that, Hey, don't shred it. Don't get it in powder form. You're going to completely destroy the plant. I know we've talked about psychedelics on this channel and I personally have in hindsight only had positive experiences. So having this perspective also is going to help people realize like, go back to our disclaimer at the beginning, like take it with caution, know what you're doing, trust the environment. So, you know, from a helpful perspective, I know that your story is even helping there. Um, yeah. So very powerful in those regards. Uh, something maybe it wasn't, you know, I I'm, I'm really curious of this kind of like in between state, right. When you said you saw the tunnel and then all the timeline snapping and, you know, from my perspective, right. This is going to kind of be like, Oh, that would be cool to experience. But having the outcome that you did, it probably is not worth it. Right. So like what, what exactly kind of even occurred if we can, let's say, give the devil his due and not throw the baby out with the bathwater. Like what, what kind of, are you able to go back and kind of explain like what that looked like the process of this white light and then the timeline snapping, like what, what did that kind of, what, what happened? Like, what was, what did that feel like? Pure terror. I mean, I was, I was just embodying pure terror. I was terrified of everything and didn't know what was happening. I'm just like, you know, it was a trauma. It was just, no, this is too much, way too fast. And it wasn't okay to so go into it consciously like that. And so, definition of trauma, right? And um, I was just there was a lot. There's a lot that happened that I'm sure if I really sat with it, I could recall everything moment by moment. But uh, I do know from a rippled out standpoint and zoomed out standpoint that. Because I, again, I told you I kind of came back looking at it very physically, but then I also had neck problems, which is ironic, like weird. Why would I have neck problems? I had rippled neck problems from it and a few other things. And I saw a um, shaman who did sound healing on my neck. And it, dude, this is about two years after. Literally, my neck was sore and red in that area that I had pain for like two days after like he did surgery on it because he did and told me that and he didn't say too much because like, i don't want to freak you out but some dark entity that's powerful and ancient put something in you and i got it out so you're fine now like you don't have to worry and i'm like what the fuck Jeez. Questions. but um and i felt different ever since then um so you know that's getting deep into the rabbit holes of the spiritual realms of things and dark energy, light energy and the spiritual warfare that we're in. But yeah, I was definitely attacked in that, uh, spiritually. And, um, I'm just grateful to have been on the, gotten through on the other side and, you know, I didn't guardian angels, whatever you want to call it. Maybe it was just my path that I had to walk. I'm still, putting the pieces together and what happened and why it happened for me. 
Um, but yeah, it's it's an interesting thing. You know, not a lot of people have had near death experiences either, like to that extent or that way. Really made it come back, and so I just know every time I share my story like that, people have a different respect for plant medicine, and they. I mean, the biggest thing I share is like, please go with a shaman, not some person who's calling them a shaman. Like, go to somebody who's learned this generationally. At least that's my take now. Like, you need to go to trusted people because I didn't, and that's what happened. So, um, yeah, I'm still healing a lot of that, to be honest. Yeah, I was gonna say, and you're. I mean, first of all, again, I know we said it earlier, but yes, please. It really emphasizes the respect that should be given to messing with such drugs, if you will, such plants, such medicine in a way. And yeah, I mean, even in your voice, it sounds like this is something that's still getting worked out, if you will, like from a, um, it sounds like you got it on the physical front, but there's still, um, I guess, thoughts or experiences that it seems like you're still trying to like figure out yeah so there's layers of resentment and anger behind that like what the fuck why did that happen i quote unquote lost my life because i things were going amazing before all that and then i kind of went through really dark for three years um you know, was that was that to put me on a different path? Because where I was going wasn't my dharma. Was it to evolve stuff so that I could get back on the same path and show up differently? What you know, and I'm thinking just dharmically, but we can think also just life path in general put me on a different trajectory, and I met different people that I would have other otherwise met. So I can see that too. But then I also hold the perspective of everything's just happening. We're making meaning of it. So okay, that happened. Now I know and moving on, but yeah, I'm still working out a lot of it. It seems like this is just like now another, not to belittle it, but just like another piece of your story to share and kind of get out there. Yeah. Seriously. It is. Where did, yeah. And I, and I'm grateful to have been gone through a lot of experiences, not necessarily of that caliber, but like just very experienced in life. And I'm like, okay, when's this roller coaster going to end in terms of craziness? Can I have a little, like, can I coast for a second? <laughs> it's getting there. It's uh, just keep asking for support, if you will. Yeah. Yeah. What, um, what was going on with like the, the quote unquote, the air quote shaman as you were mm-hmm. going through this? What was that? Like, we're, she was freaking out. Yeah. She was like, and I even I saw it. I was high as shit, but I saw her like freaking out. She purged. She took a little bit too, and I could see her on her phone freaking out, like trying to message people, which only freaked me out even more. I'm like, okay, now I don't feel safe. Right. Uh, you know, she was also like, "Do you want to go to a like? Do you want me to go to a hospital?" I was like, "What am I gonna do?" And I clean you out, and I'm like, "No, why would they do that?" Like I was so lost right mm. um but yeah she did the best she could and uh drove me home the next day and I, again i stayed up for three days so like she went to bed woke up uh drove me back and i woke up as the sun was going down and i didn't it was like a day and a half later when i finally went to sleep and woke up and i was like holy shit <laughs> Jeez. Have any? Did you have any like reoccurring dreams that occurred after that, or 
stuff like that. No, no dreams. No. Uh-uh. Just the like the the gut stuff was pretty horrible. Like it was fine for a little bit, and then it got really bad, and then I had one too many colonics because I was constipated, and it got even worse. Oh, and then I was throwing, I was trying to throw different stuff at it to see to help like uh, trying different diets with vegan and all these things that only made it worse because I was nutrient deficient. And so, yeah, that, that led us to this time last year when I got my blood work done finally. And I went to a functional medicine doctor who really helped me through a lot. I did a shit ton of biohacking and uh, most of 2022 was me getting like focusing on health as primary, like number one focus on my life mm. is this protocol, my diet, my nutrition, and that I've done phys, uh, you know, physique shows and fitness competitions and stuff for this is a different training. Like, let's go for health and well being, not for what I look like. And I just followed it with the same level of discipline, and it really did bring me back. And where, where was this in relation to kind of where we started the podcast of being in the fitness space and then transitioning into the heart guy? Well. The heart guy thing happened six years ago. Oh, okay. So, and this was three years ago. Gotcha. It happened. And then the past three years have been healing from it. Gotcha. (sighs) Have you seen in any ways that it's aided your business or like aided the heart? It's aided my craft. How so? I'm, I'm way more attuned to understanding of the nervous system because i got because of my mentor at the time who helped me out a lot i also took a lot of his training courses and stuff of that nature so i now have a perspective when dealing with patients and clients around trauma i had all the coaching mindset stuff down working with tony and you know nlp and all the things and perspectives and lens i had all that down but i didn't have the awareness of trauma informed so you know, I would push people before they were ready or stuff like that. And so now I, because of being trauma informed, I just have a lot more of a attuned acuteness to the state of their nervous system. And, um, it's grown and evolved in a way of really helping people heal that in my own way and heal their stuff from the past. And I'm doing it in a new way. That's not just minds on the mind. Um, as I've deep in connection to myself. And even when I first started the heart guy stuff, I definitely had an ego. I mean, we all do, but like ego was running a show and, um, I was coming from an unintegrated and manic scarcity energy. And now I'm coming from a lot more of an integrated. So it's been reflected to me, integrated, peaceful place. And, uh, that just carries a different tune and it attracts different people. And the work that I do has changed. For sure. But it, it, at the same time, it's the same thing. It's just evolved and I'm more efficient at it. Uh, yeah. Yeah. That's really, it's really something too. Cause it, it sounds like you've, you've learned all the, all the tools, all the puzzle pieces, and then you had to use them on yourself. Yeah. And really get first, firsthand knowledge of how, how it is and how it works. I mean, that, that's really important and it was needed to do it that way because it's integrated. I've done it. I've done it myself. This is just something that I learned at a course. Right. 
and I'm sure that brings a completely different lens to, to your work, to your craft, to, I mean, even like you said, the people who it brings to you. Yeah. Yeah. It's it, the people that it brings to me too, or, you know, it, it's just different, man. In so many ways. Is there any sort of, I don't know if you would have found this in your like research or, I mean, are there any sort of like groups that help uh, like near death experience people? Is that like a community that exists? I have no idea. I'm sure there is. I haven't been a part of any of that. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's probably a small number and then put on top of it. I'm, it sounds like you might not even look for something like that. It's just like, yeah, I mean, I, I had the support because most of my friends are coaches or, you know, trauma informed therapists or <laughs> whatever. Right. So I had, I had, was grateful enough to have the support because of my network. Gotcha. My friends. So I felt totally taken care of. Man. Well, I mean, you know, for going into such a deep and dark hole, I mean, it's kind of a weird thing to say, but you got to be grateful it almost happened to you and not somebody else that almost didn't have the tools to figure this out. That's very true. That is very true. Yeah. I'm like, you know, saying like, God, it's not going to give you something you can't handle. Like, holy fuck. Yeah. Handle a lot. Really stressing that, uh, that phrase there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I, you know, there's a lot that I'm still working out. But I'm still don't have answers to right now about all of that. Um, because it is so fresh to the capacity of how big it was to me. So for sure. Yeah. No, I can certainly hear it. I can certainly hear it in your voice. I can certainly hear that there's more discoveries to be made through this, if you will. You still got, and I don't know, maybe that's just a part of the journey. Maybe that's just a part of the, you know, there's a, there's an interesting thing. I think that occurs once you, whenever I hit about like 26, 27, I realized like certain events that would like had still had things to unfold if you will like something would occur and i'd be like you're not supposed to know that right now but you know in a year in two years in three years you'll you'll figure out what that meant i mean and so i i don't know i mean you know if you're looking for something to be grateful for it's the fact that this is probably something that's going to take you know another five ten years to show you all the pieces of the puzzle which i mean something i'm trying to lean more into of like embodying that that mystery of life of like, why did this need to happen then? Or why is this something I'm going through now? And it's like, Oh, okay. Like I'm not supposed to know now. And it's something I'm going to learn in the future. Like, Oh, okay, cool. Like I'll just embrace that timing of everything of coming out whenever it needs to come out. Yep. Yep. And just that allowance is, is everything. Yeah. I'm okay. Like I know there's more to be uncovered with it and I'll uncover it when I uncover it you know, when the time's right is I'll dive into that. I'm okay with not knowing right now. I think that's a beautiful place to be. I, you know, just don't assign labels yeah. to it, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Um, when the space is right, it'll come through to me and that's that. And I don't have to go seeking. Dude. And I mean, if, if like, you know, I, if nothing more comes from it, I know that even just, putting this out there, especially in the spirituality community where, you know, you have a, I know there's a subset. I'm just aware that there's a subset of the community where it's like, Oh, I'm, 
going and doing another plant medicine medicine ceremony. Oh, I'm doing another one next week or next month. And this lack of integration, I mean, it, it shows that you can do one, one ceremony that could last you uh, at least a lifetime of integration. That's very true. Yeah. 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 The, the integration conversation, it's a lot of what's missing right now. And I think that's going to be, uh, me and my friends have talked about it. It's kind of like, I think, one of the next waves that's going to happen in the industry. So for any coaches tuning in and listening, start to learn more about integration. Because with the legalization of uh, certain plant medicines and even certain medicines in general, like ketamine and other things, uh, integration is going to be needed as the usage increases and, and because of the legalization. So then what, what do you, I mean, integration is such a broad term. What, what to you does like, how would you fundamentally describe what integration is? On a psychological level, it's uncovering the lessons and, and, you know, giving meaning to it in terms of a growth or evolution and having the lessons be extracted. How have you grown from it? Maybe it's talking it out with a friend or similar to what we just did here, right? That helped this help my integration revisiting that going through that experience even just talking about it supports the process not having it being an isolated experience um when somebody goes through a life change uh and you know i had integration with personal development events you know you wake up life's so amazing holy shit and then you realize that was a bubble and life is like the bubble the people not everybody's as loving as the people at the bubble or at the retreat um there's a, a process of integration of bringing that new you into your old life mm. and create, then creating a new life. That's integration as well. So we look at the level of life. We look at the level of beliefs, extracting lessons and things that happened in your past, making it make sense, showing up as the new version of you and a new personality because your brain can be very neuroplastic, especially if you have a release um, emotionally or a clearing of your nervous system, so to speak, and brains neuroplastic. And so you can create a new personality. Integration is going to be helpful for that and being, being present to it. Um, and integration is doing nothing. <laughs> Taking a nap is integration. Laying on the beach and soaking up some sun is some integration, right? We don't always have to be doing things, but this integration requires space. And Again, making make, making things make sense, or just a conversation, talking about it with friends, and, and having that support um, is the biggest part of integration. And then again, giving space. Yeah, I think that was a uh, huge element for me. I mean, especially as we talk about this society we're in, where it's very much do 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 energy, masculine energy, if you will. <laughs> I want to do masculine energy, if you will. Um, but because of that do energy, we seem to think that when it comes to integration, we always need to be doing something or like, I got to call my ex and apologize. But, but sometimes, I mean, just the awareness of, of what happened or what's going on can just be healing enough for all the pieces to kind of fall into place. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. It's going to be an interesting topic. Do you, I mean, I guess I assume you, what does integration kind of look like for you with uh, the heart guy? Like if, do people like come to you with issues and then you need to work through them and then find a way to integrate them? Is there a piece of that puzzle to your work already? Yeah. I mean, in my work right now, 
integration of, you know, essentially I help people with expressing and completing emotional loops. So um, remember what I said earlier about a lot of problems or symptoms of just not feeling our feelings. So I allow people to feel their feelings. And when you do that, you're clearing the nervous system and you have a massive opportunity because your brain becomes neuroplastic and you can create new pathways um, and unlearn things, learn things. And so they have this experience where they finally reconnect and become whole. You do that through shadow integration um, and somatic processing. I infuse a lot of different things all at once, but they have a feeling of wholeness. They're able to let go of certain emotions and fully feel back in their body. And then the rest of our coaching, especially if they're one-on-one with me, is integrating a new personality. So literally doing the opposite most of the time. It's the opposite of what you wouldn't do before. So in my experience, when I have this was doing this process internally with myself, I had a huge coming home moment. I had a huge shadow integration moment. And then afterwards, I started having difficult conversations every day. Because mm. that was the thing I wasn't doing that was creating a lot of resistance. So then I became freer. And you see, you're picking up what I'm putting down on that. So that that's zoomed out as the process. You clear your nervous system of what it's been holding on to, repressing, running away from. You feel the feelings. Then on the other side of that, you through repetition show up as show up differently. You do the thing you're scared of. And then you'll wake up and go, whoa, I've that's a habit now. It's easy to do that thing that I was terrified of doing before. Right. Well, now you're free. Yeah. And because this kind of breaks apart what we were talking about earlier, where it's like, okay, we got to pursue what we're fearing to do. And that nervous system activation is like a huge element of it. And what you were saying there, what did you say? You said clear, clear the nervous system or like clear the, yeah, clear the nervous system. Yeah. Clearing the nervous system. Is this, cause I scrolled through your Instagram and I think something that you put on there was, uh, you had like a stethoscope and you would like listen to your heartbeat for like three minutes. And you were saying, is that kind of the process that would clear the nervous system? That not necessarily. That one's definitely going to regulate your nervous system and ground you. Okay. But when I'm talking about clearing, I'm talking about experiencing the emotion that you're running from. If it's anger, if it's sadness, okay, let's go there. Mm. Uh, are there words that need to be said? Do you need to say no? Do you need to say fuck you? What has what never happened that is still inside of you? Let's let that out. Let that have a voice. And you're again coming into wholeness. As in like having that's what I mean. So it's a, it's a cathartic release. So it's like having but, a voice for the outcome you desire. If as a child a trauma happened, things that weren't okay, and you never said no, you never spoke up, you never said, Why are you doing this to me? You never said, How dare you talk to mom like that? That shit is still inside of you right now. And it's showing up as anxiety or depression or something's off or why do I keep sabotaging myself and why do I keep sabotaging my relationships and I feel like I can't get ahead. I, I keep something's missing. Well, you're not in whole with yourself. There's something in you that's looking to come out 
and you're running from feeling it because it's overwhelming or you think that you won't be able to come back or whatever. So let me distract myself with psychedelics or scrolling on Instagram or always being busy and a workaholic or whatever the thing is Mm. when let's stop and feel our feelings. And when we do that, the impulse to scroll or distract goes away. Then you're free impulse to smoke or drink or whatever again impulse is the key word here goes away because you're not masking anything anymore imagine if you had a glass of water but it's dirty water and it's all the way to, to, to the top the brim and you barely you're holding the glass in one hand and you barely tap it with the other some water might spill out especially if it's all the way to the top right mm. well let's say the the muddied water is repressed anger for example um, and somebody comes along and taps your glass, triggers you, you're going to blow up on them. Some water is going to come out because it's inside of you already. Right. When, what I help people do is we empty the glass. And so when somebody, it's, it takes way more pressure to tip over because you're cleared and emptied of that emotion. Right. And so you become more resilient. You're not triggered as easy. You're able to stay more grounded and centered in yourself. You feel freer and you're not, and you don't feel like this uncontrolled feeling of what is happening in your inner life. Like it isn't so not, yeah, it isn't so knotted up. You're exactly you're getting out the old to let in the new. It's almost kind of like the cord cutting, right? You're, you're trying to clear out those tangled messes that you have going on there with you. Right. Dude. Some powerful stuff. It really is. Well, Kevin, I'm getting this little poke in the back of my head that's telling me we should wrap it up. But, dude, I'm super grateful for your vulnerability, dude, your willingness to go to those difficult places to have the conversation. So, I would love to give you the space, though, for to speak to the audience, how they can clear out their muddy water with you. So, you know, if you want to encourage people, you want to, I got all your links. I think I have all your links. I'll put them in the show notes below. Um, so feel free to reference those as you will and please speak encouraging words to the audience or let them know how they can get in touch with you. So the floor is yours. Thank you, man. Um, I would say, you know, put some heart into it, whatever you're doing, lean in your emotions, be fully present to life because we don't know when our time is and so feel it fully because when we contract and we avoid trying to feel certain feelings that's what gets in the way of us truly living life because we're trying to avoid life or ourselves and so just because it's uncomfortable doesn't mean it's bad and um fall in love with the journey, fall in love with the process, and you're not a puzzle to be solved or a problem to be fixed. Uh, you're a human being and it's messy. That's part of the journey. And just realize that and recognize that you can still be beautiful and lovable and all the lovables uh, in that process. If anything that I'd shared or this podcast really resonated with you, I would say go to my Instagram, the heart guy, and uh, the link in my bio right now is the retreat that I've coming up. And so if you want to dive into all of this process that I talked about, about clearing the nervous system and 
reorienting the personality, especially as it comes to into uh, relating in an intimate setting um, with your intimate relationships. That's what we're focused on. And it's three days out in Austin, Texas, and it's going to be amazing. It's going to be deep. Um, so if you are looking to, there's, there's so much stuff out there in the spiritual community, personal development community of inner transformation. And there's not a lot about working on the third entity of the, the heart of your relationship. And that's what we're really going to dive into. Yes, there's going to be some personal transformation, but you're really going to get the tools and the experience to work on the relationship, which I think is very much needed. And so if that's calling to you, if you're looking to dive into that in this season of your life, um, you know, maybe you're looking to just become more of a secure attachment style, whatever it is, you know, you got stuff that's coming up from your past. You're ready to face it. If you've got the courage to go there, then um, this is the space. And so that is again, in the link in my bio and you find me on the heart guy on Instagram. I love it, man. Kevin, dude, thanks so much for being here. I really appreciate your time. Appreciate you being vulnerable guys. Go check out his stuff. The heart guy on Instagram, check out some of his links below and yeah, hopefully you learned something and I don't think I have anything else to add. Oh, I haven't been saying, telling you guys this, but I think you already know, but please leave a, please leave a review like comment share subscribe wherever you're listening wherever you're watching it's definitely the share one especially for this this conversation how vulnerable kevin got about you know this history of plant medicine and stuff i know more people need to be aware of the let's say shadow aspect of plant medicine so please please share at the very least it's a very easy thing to do to help myself to help you to help the spiritual community and yeah until next time But until then, I will see you guys in the sixth dimension.